Oh, it's funny, on the Leftover Army feed, there are a lot of people who are like, I can't believe people didn't like this movie. So there might be some interesting back and forth uh, after people hear the episode. (laughs) It could be. Yeah, people are just fucking Marvel whores. They just love whatever the fuck Marvel (laughs) (laughs) puts. Mickey Mouse is like, I'm going to put something in your mouth and you're going to like it. Marvel can, Mar- but Kevin Feige could take a shit in their mouth and they'd be like, mm, more. Give me more of that soft serve fucking turf. <laughs> <laughs> Two fans, one cup. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> Episode 458. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a wall. It's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover, counterculture, pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And for the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Hi, it's Nick Swartzen, and welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers. <gasps> Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Joe. And I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Yeah, so Jake's here. Uh, Joe, I was thinking it'd be hilarious if like, uh, if we immediately brought Jake on as a leftover and then just stripped him of his leftover status. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Just real quick, we got to get something out of the way here. Yeah, like, like, so Rob Forrest could draw like, you know, Jake with a PCL shirt on and then like, you know, five seconds later, Jake like holding like wearing like a barrel, you know? <laughs> I imagined like the Back to the Future picture where I just completely fade out of the picture. <laughs> yeah, I like that too. Yeah, I was thinking about like the cop movie where it's like, turn in your badge and your gun, Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're off the force for being a pedophile. Hey, it took a a dark turn there. (laughs) (laughs) I like how you said it so softly. Like, you considered not saying it. That was what that was. I know. It was one of those things. Like, am I going to (laughs) go? Like, I, yeah, like in my head, I was committed, uh, Jake. And then, like, I kind of pulled back and then I was like, ah, fuck it. Let's say it. Whatever. (laughs) Nobody listens to this show anyway. <laughs> I think they get at least five minutes in. I don't think you're going to be able to bury that one. Uh, eh, okay. I'm, I'm just... Okay. Fair enough. All right. Five people have listened. Anyway. Jake. Oh, we got... Yes. We, uh, hold on. We got a guest. We got a guest. We got... Tristan Brown is back. Welcome, Tristan. I thought you forgot. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. You know, this is the first time I've been on a regular episode that wasn't like a marquee movie in a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> How'd that watch list treat you? Far more than one movie. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like the banter, though. We don't usually have as much yeah. when we're talking about one movie. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. I'll, yeah, the, the one movie, we don't really get into the whole banter. We kind of like stay focused and shit like that. We try to do it professional for the most part. These episodes, we can fuck around, 
You know what I mean? It's a it's a PCL fuck around episode, Joe. I'm, I'm t- you see, I, I I used to say Jake, and now I'm I'm, I'm turning I'm turning it over to Joe. <laughs> yeah, I, I love this. I, my favorite thing about coming back on was knowing that I didn't have to be the guy to immediately say something every time. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's that? Yeah. What's that feel like, Jake? It feels great. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> 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 All the pressure's on Joe. I heard that four seconds of silence earlier. I knew that was not my fault. Yeah. <laughs> four seconds. <laughs> Man. Uh, Jake, uh, give everybody updates on how you've been. And, uh, don't bore us with bullshit. Give us some real fucking updates on, like, you know, what's been going on in the, in the life of Jake. Um, you know, it's just I've been doing what I said I was going to do, playing a lot of games. Um, I really have not watched much new TV and movies. I've been uh, mostly watching like comfort shows and stuff that I've seen before. I'm rewatching Lost Simpsons and American Gladiators right now. And, and that's been a lot of fun. Um, I do. I do have some big Jake news. Um, on Friday, I proposed to Michelle. Whoa! Hey, congrats. congrats! Wow! Yes, yes. She uh, unfortunately she said, said no. no. Yeah. So here yeah. I am back on PCL. Yeah. Need to come back. <laughs> no, she she did. She say yes. she turned your proposal into a game since you like them so much. <laughs> she she like she she she, she, made, she pulled out a deck of cards and said you got to pick the high card. Oh man! If you I'm pick, it's all or nothing. <laughs> so yeah, yeah super excited she she did say yes so there we go i have a fiance now really happy for you man thank That's you awesome. yeah how long are you gonna drag this out the fiance thing um, is it gonna be is it gonna be like one of those like we're engaged for like three years four years five years or is it gonna be like do you you don't you don't have the date set or nothing the plan is by the end of this year and wow man <laughs> you're fucking moving yeah, yeah, we're we're making it happen. Congratulations, so. dude! That's fucking awesome. See, yeah, thank you. I mean, I I didn't tell you guys this, so this is this is the first time I'm really telling anyone, honestly. Yeah, I'm a little offended. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I've had I've had dozens and dozens of offers to be on other podcasts, but I told you I, I thought you, you know, I thought you were gonna say I've had dozens and dozens of other proposals. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, this is finally the first one that fine, worked. Fine, fine. Finally, someone said yes. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I I turned all those other podcasts down. I, I told them, you know, much like Howard Stern to Sirius Radio, I am to PCL. So this is this is the only place you can find me. Yeah, there we go. I like that, man. You're just a fucking PCL exclusive. It's like get like that that Funko Pop at Walgreens or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Except, I mean, the difference is, is the Funko Pop is highly sought after. Ah, uh, that's true. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. But yeah, it's been it's been a good time. I I, I still haven't seen fucking Ant Man yet. Um, <laughs> I'm not caught up on the Mandalorian. I, I'm just I'm just watching bullshit. Man, man, that must be nice though, man. You know, it, it yeah, it it is it's very strange. After doing this for, it's yeah. a very weird feeling. Like for the first three weeks, it felt weird. I listened to, I used to listen to a comic book podcast and they would, and they did that, they did that podcast for years, for years. And then they stopped doing that and just did like a, 
just like a podcast where they start talking about movies or just things in general, whatever, their lives, whatever. And one of the hosts had just stopped completely reading comics. Like, you know, they ended the comic book podcast. They stopped reading comics. It was just like, it just got to the point where it just felt like a job to him. And he's like, you know, I just need time away from comic books. I've been reading them for so long. Yeah, it's wild. I think, you know, Quantum Mania is probably the first Marvel movie I haven't seen in the theater since um, the first Thor. It's still there. They could use your 10 bucks, man. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I get fucking like six emails about it every day. I'm like, no. You know what's crazy, Jake, is you're not alone there because I think it's just a Marvel thing going on right now because my little brother is so into Marvel. He's seen everything the first weekend. He still has not seen Quantumania. I think there's some fatigue. Yeah, I, I, I don't – I think there is fatigue. I definitely feel it. I don't like being told – like what's important and what's not important before the movie. I think that kind of takes the fun out of it away. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like the whole quantum mania thing would have been, and the Kang thing could be more fun if it wasn't already like diagrammed out what they were doing with it. It feels yeah. like a, a machine more than a, like Thanos was like, we saw him at the end of Avengers one and we didn't know when that was going to pay out. We didn't have like yeah. a roadmap telling us when, when that was going to, you know, be important. Yeah, we didn't and have I, like the the we didn't have a movie titled like, you know, the Thanos trials or something, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just the fact that even before the movie came out, we know there's a Kang Dynasty Avengers movie kind of takes the, the wind out of the sails for me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, because when that first Avengers movie came out, nobody I mean, and also there was a lot of people in the audience base who didn't even know who that big purple guy at the end was. Well, I remember Whereas a this guy. one. You know, yeah. everybody knew that it was going to be Kang. Yeah, I remember when Thanos showed up at the end of uh, Avengers 1, someone screamed, Super Scroll! <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> fucking awesome. <laughs> I just heard, like, a bunch of, like, you know, uh, jokes online about, like, who's the California Raisin, you know? And, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I remember that, too. Yeah. I remember that, too. Grimace, a lot of Grimace, Grimace jokes. Grimace, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, let's see here. We do have uh, contest winners to go over from last week. And these are the people that entered the uh, contest for physical copies of Devotion, starting starring uh, Glenn Powell and Jonathan Majors. And so first winner is going to be Andrew Kane. Number two, Monica Garola. To no one's surprise. I don't say her name with, with a lot of enthusiasm anymore. <laughs> you said it was such low enthusiasm that I thought it was a prediction and not an announcement. Yeah. Patrick Boyce. Patrick Boyce. Dylan Cross. And the final winner is Larry Mayday. So five winners uh, for Devotion on Blu-ray. Andrew Kane, Monica Garola, Patrick Boyce, Dylan Cross, Larry Mayday. I will be getting your addresses and uh, sending these over to my Paramount contact, and they'll be mailing them to you. I don't mail them, guys, so just so people know. So I apologize if movies don't make it to you. It's not it had nothing to do with me. It's the U.S. Postal Service and whatever. <laughs> 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 new contest we got a new contest guys uh get early access to 80 for brady on digital today 
Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Rita Marino, and Sally Field star as four best friends who go on an unforgettable journey to see their hero Tom Brady play in Super Bowl 51 in this hilarious comedy about living life to the fullest no matter your age. It's directed by Kyle Marvin. 80 for Brady is on digital now, available at participating retailers. It's rated PG-13 from Paramount Pictures. And I've got five digital copies of 80 for Brady. And I'm going to be sending out an 80 for Brady Facebook post and a tweet. All you have to do to enter is retweet it or share it on Facebook. Screenshot that you did. Send it to contest at popcultureleftovers.com with the title 80 for Brady. And uh, you'll be entered to win uh, one of five digital copies. What are the, what, the porn version, 69 for Brady? <laughs> <laughs> well, cast members that are the same age. I don't think there's ever been a movie contest PCL had has, that has more encapsula- encapsulated the target audience than 80 for Brady, right? Oh, we've got a, <laughs> we've got a lot of listeners with incontinence and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, lot you know fiber. They got to up the fiber intake. You know what I mean? Yeah, PCL sponsored by Sunsweet Prunes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and Werther's. Yeah, that's why our Morgan Freeman ad hit so hard. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Bob Suppositories. <laughs> 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 I haven't seen that one, but it's got it's a sixty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes with an eighty nine percent audience score, so uh, people like it. Yeah, I've seen the trailer. Uh, it looks fun, you know. It looks like a fun little movie. So I gotta pull up iTunes reviews, Joe. I should have probably had that, you know, loaded up, ready to go. <laughs> Jesus, probably, Christ. but you know, who's yeah. counting? Hold on, I'm gonna pause. All right, so yeah, we've got uh, some iTunes reviews to go over here. Where's the? There we go. iTunes reviews. Joe, we're uh, we're twenty two reviews away from uh, from hitting the one k. Excellent. We just keep inching closer, inching closer and closer to the finish line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's exciting. These are exciting times, Joe. <laughs> it is exciting. We're getting to those four digits, and and yeah. who knows what will happen once we get there. Some other podcasts are raising money for charities that would help people. We're we're selfish. We're like, please get us to that 1K mark for the iTunes reviews, which will benefit no one except for maybe Joe and I's ego. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're going for. Yeah, exactly. Come on, pump up my fucking ego. <laughs> I need it. Uh, got a got an iTunes review here from Ricky Mokel. Ricky Mokel. The title of the iTunes review is "My Birthday is ten twenty one eighty five. It's a five star. It goes <laughs> goes on to say, "Back to the Future." What, what are you going to say there, Joe? Oh, ten twenty one. That's my younger sister's birthday too. Really? Isn't that the? It sure is. That not eighty five. She was born right? in eighty two. But it sorry. is Tristan. Why are you trying to steal this guy's thunder? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think he was born right on the Back to the Future date, though. My, my yeah. younger sister was born in 82, so she's a little bit older than Ricky. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy your youth, Ricky. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Before you know it, you sleep funny and your neck hurts for a week. And, uh, and you've got to buy those Bob suppositories. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, you think you could shove a prune right up there? You think it would do the same thing? No, I don't think it would work that way. Really? You think you'd just be taking a trip to the emergency room telling the doctor you've got a bunch of prunes jammed up your asshole? <laughs> oh, more than one prune. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, like, Jake, you're telling me the first prune didn't work. This <laughs> If at first you don't succeed. Try, try again. So here's the thing. So now that this guy is like, he's like, oh, okay, maybe one wasn't enough. And he's just jamming another prune up there. <laughs> it'd be soft enough to just kind of push back out though uh, it'd be weird having a turtle head poking out it's just like little prunes <laughs> <laughs> ricky Mo- hey ricky you had a re- you had a review uh back to the future 2 takes place on my 30th birthday uh no one ever has or ever will care love this show that comes from Ricky Moak. I think it's kind of cool. It is cool. He's, he, he just happened to win that genetic lottery of being born on the Back to the Future day. <laughs> Would you really call it's that it? Bothered, bothered him, right, for a long time. That no one cares? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, well, what do, you, do, you, do you think that it took away from his birthday? Do you think that his family on that day celebrated Back to the Future? They celebrated Marty's journey. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they celebrated Marty's journey into the future as opposed <laughs> they totally forgot that it was their son's birthday. <laughs> yeah, for them, it was Back to the Future day first. Yeah. Birthday second. Yeah. They didn't realize their son turned 30 that day. <laughs> like, we don't even see you if you're not wearing a vest. <laughs> thank you what on his 16th birthday if they got him that dope ass fucking toyota truck that marty mcfly had that wouldn't be too shabby yeah yeah him and jennifer went to the lake why didn't we get that scene yeah right (laughs) why didn't we get that scene of uh marty banging jennifer at the lake (laughs) probably a ratings thing in the in the world, well, you know, back then in the eighties, they took those PG ratings a little, you know, a li- little lightly. Uh, yeah. Joe, uh, Jake, <laughs> he's, you know, he's banging Jennifer, and then he gets interrupted by Doc. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, great Scott, <laughs> great Scott. <laughs> oh man, let's see here. Pull out, Marty. <laughs> yeah. Didn't I just yell at you about your children? Your kid's gonna be an asshole, Marty. Pull out. <laughs> uh, uh, got an iTunes review here from uh, Christine fifteen seventy eight, and it's titled Five Year Listener," and uh, that's better than five year old listener. Yes, don't you think? I don't want any five year olds listening to this show, Joe. Oh. No, that's not the demographic we're going for. They're going to be learning some stuff they shouldn't be learning. <laughs> yeah. Five-year list, uh, five listener, five stars. Uh, hello, Brian and crew. I have been listening since I needed help getting through life after Infinity War. LOL. I am probably the only 55-year-old woman that listens to you. 
sometimes you tick me off, but I consider you a friend and I accept it and just usually laugh. I am extremely introverted, so I don't have any friends but you guys. I try to go to the movies every Saturday morning, and when I went to see Knock at the Cabin Door and Smile, I was the only person in the entire theater. I really appreciate you guys for all you do. I am an accountant at a public hospital in Flint, Michigan, and you guys help me get through the day. Thanks. That comes from Christine1578. All right. Do we have a contest for Christine this week? (laughs) You beat me to it. (laughs) (laughs) I agree with her for those movie times, though. She's going to the same movie times that I want to get to. Awkward silence there. It was awkward. I was like, somebody's going to say something. Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) No, I think it it was a really sweet, uh, sweet iTunes review. You know, it it, it really was. And, you know, it's I'm a curious mix of extroverted and introverted. Like I can be very outgoing. And there's other times where you put me around a crowd of people and I try to just disappear into the nearest wall. And so I absolutely relate to to that feeling. And um, I'm just glad that we can be a podcast that that people can listen to and be like, hey, I'm listening to my friends talk about movies because, you know, that's an awesome thing. Yeah. Yep, man. Yeah, that's cool. I I like it. I like reviews like this where they like let us know uh, a little bit about them. You know, I like that. Not like you know. I, I guess the funny reviews are fine too. You know, but uh, I like I like this one because uh, got to know got to got a little peek inside the life of Christine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're named after a demon car. she's like i was born before that fucking book was written that yeah i get it anyway (laughs) that movie came out on my 30th birthday and everyone went to see it and ignored me (laughs) yeah my fucking my parents called ricky mokel before they called me (laughs) 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 they they wished them a happy back to the future day Anyway, you got, this before I, I'm not going to throw this into Marvel news. I just literally found this out. This is kind of like breaking news. Uh, can I, I was on Twitter before we started recording, and can we get some toast posted? Holy shit! The Marvel Studios spoiler subreddit is officially locked by the mods. Rest in peace to my origin. Um, so I went and it was locked. I literally was on it earlier today, uh, probably at around two o'clock. And by five thirty, six o'clock, it was locked. It's done. And I was like, what is going on with this? And it looks like I saw an article from comicbook.com, Marvel targeting Ant-Man 3 leakers on Reddit. Yep. Yeah, I saw that too. As a report from Torrent Freak points out, a limited liability company named MVL Film Finance LLC has requested that the United States District Court for the Northern District of California subpoena both Google and Reddit for information regarding those who've used a specific Reddit account. According to court documents, the account in question is for the uh, Marvel Studios spoiler mods, an account, according to Torrent Freak, that has, been, that has shared between the mod- or moderators of the Marvel Studios spoiler subreddit since its creation in 20, March 2021. 
Uh, in particular, Marvel's court requesting, aiming to subpoena Reddit, says the Disney-owned studio is looking for, quote, all identifying information for any other users responsible for posting, editing, and or maintaining the content previously available on the Reddit site, including, without limitation, any moderator of the Marvel Studios spoiler. Anyway, it looks like somebody had released the script for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania on there before the movie dropped. And, uh, I, it's crazy. It's, uh, man, it's the death of Marvel Studios spoilers on Reddit. Yeah. Yeah. Disney is demanding Reddit release the names of these mods. Here's the thing. It's like, I want, like, what is Disney? Come on. I don't know what they're getting at here. It's, it's. That's big Papa Iger coming back. Yeah. do, Do you think that, do you think. They can't really think that the box office was hurt by that. Because, no, oh, I think they do think that. Huh? I bet they do think that. If this was a billion-dollar movie, they wouldn't care about any of this shit. They're, they're looking I, for any excuse, and their egos are too big to blame themselves. I, I agree. I think you're spot on, and I think what Tristan was saying is right, too. That I, I think they're looking for somebody to blame, and this subreddit is their scapegoat. That, yeah, that they're saying, oh, it's it's the reason of this. They're they're spreading all this bad press out there, and that's why people aren't going to see this new movie. And it's it's like, hey, I don't think that that subreddit has much to do with with the Rotten Tomatoes score on this and the word of mouth of people who saying they went and saw it, and it just felt like more of the same Marvel stuff for them. I know I enjoyed the movie more than a lot of other people in the general audience did, but it can't be denied that that general audience out there wasn't as impressed with this movie as they thought they would be going in. Well, I, I, I honestly think that they're definitely using it as a scapegoat. I just don't really think that they believe it, that yeah. this is the reason. There wasn't even much to spoil. It's like who didn't go see the movie because they knew what was going to happen. You know, it's, it's various other reasons why they didn't see it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree with that, Tristan. It's wild, though. Yeah, it's the death of Marvel Studios spoilers, man. It's over. I can't, I can't believe it. It is just... I don't know. Do you, do you think some of these other leakers that we follow are are, are starting to get a little worried? Mm, no, I think we're still going to get the leaks, but we're just going to have to go to Twitter to get them. Yeah, I wonder if when, when they're going to be petitioning Twitter to find out, you know, hey, who is, you know, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. Time to shine. Hello. If, who, if, who are these other people? It doesn't matter if they're just posting rumors. I don't think it matters, Joe. I think it matters when you're actually sending out like screenshots of the script and shit like that. Yeah. OK, that is a really, really good point. You know, like John Campia, when he sent out um, he Spider-Man had picks. Yeah, he had Spider-Man picks and it had his watermark on the pictures. And he's like, man, these are either a great Photoshop or they're real. Like, that affected him. Like, he's not invited to any more of the Disney premieres for the Marvel movies, things like that. That really affected him. So I think that's what we're looking at here. If someone knows someone in the business and that person starts giving them leaks and then they start feeding it out on the Internet, unless Marvel can catch whoever the fucking person involved in the project is that's feeding them this information, there's really nothing they can do. But if somebody's actually posting, you know, stuff with watermarks and and leak scripts and things like that, then I think Marvel can go after them. <laughs> I'm just picturing them like sending Goofy out to go kneecap somebody. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. We got an email here, and this comes from uh, our buddy uh, Kevin Shanks. All right. He says, hey, Brian and Joe. First things first, I miss the Brian-Jake combo, but damn it, the Brian-Joe duo makes me moist. Uh, (laughs) Going back to last episode, the Beatle-Bailey thing weirded me out for a minute. Not going to lie. Then I looked up Miss Buxley. Hot damn. Googled her. (laughs) Hot Let me damn. look up Miss Buxley now. Hold look on. it up. Hot damn, Brian. How hot Miss Buxley was? <laughs> yeah. Hot damn, Brian. Google, I remember. Jesus Christ, let me read the fucking email. Can we talk? Can we have the fucking circle jerk to Mrs. Buxley after we get after I get done? <laughs> if you promise. Jesus. Uh hot damn, Brian. I get it. And two and a half minutes later, I really understand. Uh also. That joke would have went over a lot better had you guys not interrupted Kevin Shanks a hundred times. <laughs> Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> also, Kate Winslet's boobs are the only reason I'll ever watch a 3D movie. Uh, have a great one, guys. You're two of the absolute best people, and you're bringing it every week. Even though, Brian, you think it's the worst episode every week, I'd like to say it. Cynthia, thank you. I'd like that's a that's a hard thing to say. I'm not even drinking. I'm not even drinking, Joe. I'd like to say a sincere thank you for all the work you put into PCL. Thank you. I would have missed so much good shit if I didn't have PCL in my life, and also would have watched so much bad stuff too. Uh, now, excuse me, as I need to go change my pants, and that comes from Kevin. So thank you, <laughs> thank you, Kevin. Did everybody get to look up Miss Boxley? Oh yeah. <laughs> I didn't look it up. I, I've got it saved in the banks. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sleeping pill. <laughs> that was part of my coming of age. <laughs> Emphasis on the coming. Yeah, nice poem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right, Joe, I got a question for you. Yeah, what you got? Let's say you got a, you got a, you got a good friend. You got a, like, yeah, let's say it's a good friend. Really good friend. You've known this person for all of your, like, most of your life, pretty good friend, and they just they just joined Facebook. Never been on social media before. I just joined Facebook, and they send you a face request, like a, a friendship request out of nowhere, and you accept it. And then I, they start posting for the first time on social media, and just like you, you don't know what to expect. You, you, what do you usually see? Like there's pictures of me and the family. We're having a barbecue. I just, here we are putting up the Christmas tree. Here we are, you know, whatever, playing with the dog. And he's just, he starts posting shit, like like updates and shit, and he's like, you know, posts, uh, just had sex with my wife. It was awesome. Hope to, hope to do it again soon. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, like, and then, you know, maybe like another post, he's just talking about like, uh, uh, Rat starts rattling off like positions that me that her and him were doing. Like, yeah, try doggy today. It was awesome. <laughs> you know, uh, tried reverse cowgirl. Yeehaw. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and then like the cowboy emoji. You know, like the the one with the cowboy hat on. You know, <laughs> you know, and then maybe a horsey or something. You know, just start, what do you do? What do you do? Do you is, do you do you do anything, Joe? Like, is this uncomfortable for you? Or you... Oh, no, laugh emoji at every one of them. 
because there's nobody in my timeline sharing shit like that. And so they're finally making Facebook something more that I visit, you know, that for just beyond like the leftover army and scenic community and heroes and noise community. <laughs> do you do you comment? Oh, do you leave I don't comments? Know if I comment. I think I just laugh at it and move on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how much I want to engage in that. Like, Maybe like, I don't know, like a high five comment. Like, yeah, man, that's a good one. Go, go, <laughs> go Roger, whatever the fuck his name is. Way to go, Jerry. You start, start suggesting other positions. <laughs> oh, man, if you, you haven't lived till you've tried the beast with two backs. Get after it, son. <laughs> yeah, like, what if, yeah, what if he puts up like a Facebook poll? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Jake, Jake, what do you do? What do you do, man? I would, I would not engage with it at all because I would never want it to end. Like, I'd be afraid if I were to laugh, react. I'd be afraid that they'd be like, "Oh my god, I'm, I shouldn't do this," and it would stop. Oh, so Jake's like, Jake's like locked eyes. Like he, he's, he's scared of locking eyes with the deer. He doesn't want to scare it away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. you just want to look at it from out of the window and enjoy it for its maj- for its majesty. Yeah, and I never want it to stop coming to the yard. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a friend that kept interacting with a page that was like a bondage page, where it was had you know like artful pictures of like women tied up and shit like that. Mm. And there once that we were hanging out, and I like mentioned something about it like as a joke, and he was like, "Oh, you follow that page too?" And I was like, "No." I was like, <laughs> but "My Facebook constantly shows me that you're liking pictures," and he goes, "It fucking tells everybody when I like that stuff." And I'm like, "Yeah, dude, you don't know how fucking social media works." <laughs> yeah, he was mortified. It was hilarious. <laughs> he 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 loosened the choke around his neck, and he's like, "Wait, wait, hold on, what?" Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of rattly doorknobs around his place if you know what i mean oh man do you guys have any good facebook friends like that where like the highlight is just how crazy it is like i have a few like toxic relationship facebook friends where it's like every other day just insanity <laughs> no no i i did have just somebody i went to high school with send me a friend request and the picture it looked like him and I don't know if it was wife, girlfriend, him and some girl that like he was just wearing shorts and she was wearing some sort of lingerie thing. And they both looked like they were hardcore strung out. And it's like, this is what you choose for your Facebook profile picture, dude. <laughs> wow. I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to leave that in the because the trick with if, if somebody sends you a Facebook friend request and you don't want to do anything with it, just let it simmer. What was because that? What was the picture? Delete. They can send you another one. If you just let it sit, they can't do anything. It's oh, just oh, I have requests that are just sitting for years right now. Yep. Yeah, same, same. <laughs> same. No, I'll, I, I'm pretty sure that one's in there. I'll, I'll send it to you guys so you can see what sort of <laughs> WT <laughs> shit I'm talking about. What, it's well, wild. What was the picture of? It's just a guy and a girl, and they're both in uh, – she's wearing like some sort of lingerie shit. He doesn't have a shirt on, and they're just kind of like cuddling in the picture. And it's like, this is what you chose for your Facebook profile picture. Wow. You guys are out there on Main Street with it. Man. That is wild. That is wild. It's very wild. I think we should celebrate that. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should celebrate their love, Joe. Oh, my God. That would be awesome. I should have a screenshot of it and put it on the trashy subreddit because it fit right in there. On Ricky's Ricky's birthday, his parents call that couple. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) 
<laughs> we gotta bring Ricky into it. <laughs> we're just we're calling on October twenty first, uh, just to, to celebrate your love. Thank you for all that you've done. Love the pick. <laughs> Happy birthday, Ricky. Yeah. No, no, they they they're not aware that it's their son's birthday. That's the joke, Joe. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky's dead to them. <laughs> hey, hey, hmm. Anyway, you guys ready to do the good pop, bad pop shit? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Ah, Jake, are you already thinking, man, what a... This is a terrible way to spend my Monday evening. No, this is good. Normally, I work 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. at my job on Monday, and that was half the reason I asked to be on. It was a, it's, it's a rare Monday I was off. Yeah. I couldn't think of anything better to do than watch some shit I might hate. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> This is a lot of fun. I missed you guys, man. It, it's awesome. And like, like I said, it's the top of the show. It's great being able to let Joe answer immediately to everything. I, I'm loving it. Yeah. Yeah. Jake. Yeah. Jake doesn't like Jake doesn't like the responsibility. He's like, <laughs> <I'll> get... <laughs> I, mean, I don't disagree. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little envious. I'm a little <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You've got it even worse than Joe. I know. I gotta keep. I know he's the one carrying the heavy load here. I know. God, I gotta keep this fucking shit moving. I gotta. Me and Tristan are on fucking easy street. I got. I gotta introduce the segments. I gotta keep shit moving. It's time for good pop. Jake's that father that just has to show up on birthdays and Christmas. Yeah, for real. Yeah. (laughs) Comes over smelling like cigarette smoke and sex. (laughs) (laughs) anyway yeah good pop bad pop uh we saw uh 65 the new adam driver movie in the theater after a catastrophic crash on an unknown planet pilot mills quickly discovers he's actually stranded on earth 65 million years ago uh see that doesn't well okay we'll talk about that now with only one chance at a rescue, Mills and the only other survivor, Koa, must make their way across an unknown terrain riddled with dangerous prehistoric creatures. So, uh, it's a science fiction action thriller film written and directed by Scott Beck and Brian Woods. Those are the guys who are the co-writers for A Quiet Place. Um, this one stars Adam Driver and Ariana Greenblatt. And uh, I was surprised at this one. I... I, I you know, Joe, I was talking to you on uh, maybe off air or on another podcast, I think. I don't remember. But anyway, I was talking to you and I thought it was going to be like, you know, like a futuristic uh, set in a future time where it's kind of like Planet of the Apes. They go through a black hole and instead of fucking 
ending up, you know, where they need to go, they end up 65 million years in the past. That is not the case here. I was kind of kind of taken aback by the when they started uh giving us like uh like the uh uh, story the the exposition here at the beginning that it's actually it it's set 65 million years ago but there there were other uh advanced civilizations that existed before humanity yeah yep i i was on that same mental track in fact um uh aiden went and saw this with me my 14 year old son and on the drive to the theater i was giving him the cliff notes on what planet of the apes was and and what you know, kind of the 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 gimmick was in that and, and how the end of it really blew audiences minds. And I was like, I don't know if that's what we're getting here, if it's going to be something different. And I was pleasantly surprised to see it was something different and that this was just a, a straight up sci fi movie. Yeah. So what do you think of 65, Joe? OK, so I saw the trailers for this and well, I remember when they first came out and, and everyone was sharing them online and I just hadn't got around to watching it on my phone. And so the first time I saw the trailer was on the big screen and I don't remember what movie it was ahead of, but I got to see it a handful of times in the cinema. And each time I saw it, I was a little bit more excited. And, you know, because I was trying to remember, like, when's the last time we got like a, a dinosaur movie that that wasn't a Jurassic Park franchise? Um I, I really couldn't even think of any. And I love Adam Driver and the effects just from the trailer and everything looked really good. And so I went into this one pretty hyped. And from the start, right when when it dropped, you know, the the, the exposition and text on the screen telling you what's up, I was like, okay, that's that's interesting that, that they're going this route. And then throughout the movie, they go on to, you know, in in a little bit subtler ways, they they explain all those things that are in the credits or not the credits, but you know, that opening scrawl or whatever, telling you what's going on. And uh, dude, I'm not going to lie. Like this, this movie, it did it for me. Like I liked it. It was a good dinosaur adventure. I thought the CGI and it was great. The, the, the plot in it worked for me and that it's this crash landed, the ship crash lands on prehistoric earth. There's only one survivor and Adam Driver is this pilot named Mills. He goes and finds the survivor. It's this young girl. And then you get these flashbacks into his own life before he left on this long, like two year journey to where he left a wife and a daughter behind. And his daughter had some sort of sickness and he was taking this job because he needed the extra money to help pay for her health care. And then the story that unfolds throughout and then the connection that he forms with this little girl. I didn't expect the movie to have the level of heart that it had in it. And I I absolutely loved the way that they portrayed the velociraptors in this. It's much more true to what they were in, in real life. They're not these six, seven foot tall things like we see in the Jurassic Park franchise. They are much smaller, but still just as vicious and dangerous. And I liked how this was just a, a survival story that they just need to get from point A to point B in the terrain that they have to go across is full, <laughs> full of prehistoric life that is... You know, they, they live in a if, you, if you're a walking meat sack, you're on the menu and they got to get through this. And he's not only worried about himself, but he's worried about this little girl and the way that the story unfolds with his past going through it. Like this movie really worked for me. And then going into that, the the last little bit, I was like, hey, there's something pretty major that we haven't gotten out of this yet to my satisfaction. And then they really fill it in for you in the last bit. Like, I think the T-Rex bit in this is some of the most exciting T-Rex action that we've gotten since the first Jurassic Park movie. So 
for me, I was pleasantly surprised with this movie. I didn't really expect a lot out of it. I figured it was just going to be a, a standard popcorn flick movie, you know, action movie. And for me, I thought it was a very solid sci-fi movie and a really good dinosaur movie as well. Uh, it really hinged on Adam Driver and the connections he's able to forge with both the 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 actor who's playing his daughter and the actor who's playing this little girl that he's trying to save at the end. And I, and I thought he did a great job with all of that. Um, I thought all the performances in this were pretty solid for me. This this was a Tupperware. I was I really liked it. I'm looking forward to seeing it again. Yeah, I I liked it, but I didn't like it as much as you did. Um, I. I guess it's just too close on the heels of uh, The Last of Us with like the whole the, everybody's doing this lone wolf and cub thing, man. You know? <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. I mean, it. If you get, it's it's hard to live up to something like The Last of Us though, because the, just the level of heart that that show brings. Yeah. And also, it's got an hour every week to do it. Yeah. And and we've been living with it for the last eight weeks, yeah. nine weeks now. Yeah. And you know, I mean, that's that's. I guess I hadn't. I didn't even think of those comparisons until you brought it up. And when you compare it like that, it's like uh, the heart in this movie is laughable. Yeah. But for the, what this movie was and in, in from just basing off what I got in the trailers, I didn't expect it to have the level of heart that it did have. The and a- that surprised me. The action we got at the end, I thought was incredible. I did enjoy it quite a bit. I felt like it was lacking some action, though, um, throughout the movie. Um, I did. You know, I did like, man, you don't see a lot of movies. They used to do this a lot in the 80s with the um, with the quicksand. And, and like, I couldn't believe that they had. Oh, right. They had. <laughs> yeah. I, seen I was so right. afraid of quicksand when I was a kid. Me too. Yeah, I was just going to say that, too. Like our childhoods, if you grew up in the 80s, yeah. it led us to believe that quicksand was going to be a real fucking problem. Quicksand was everywhere. <laughs> it's like you could go out to the <laughs> playground and fucking fall in some quicksand. Um, oh my god i grew up playing in the woods and the river bottoms where you know it floods and it brings sand in and so it was not uncommon to be walking through the woods and all of a sudden see a patch of sand and you better believe i was fucking walking around that yeah yeah (laughs) quicksand was a real like you know we were worried about getting locked in refrigerators we were worried about quicksand you know (laughs) the the refrigerator thing was legit at least (laughs) i know yeah i mean punky brewster taught us that yeah she did yeah (laughs) um i liked it but i didn't like it as much as you did and i and I was comparing it to The Last of Us throughout my watch. Um, I did think that the the dinosaurs looked very cool. Um, I uh, oh my god! I honestly I loved his gun in this. Like the oh, it's cool. Not since Aliens, where I saw the M forty one A pulse rifle, have I enjoyed watching yeah. a futuristic gun in a movie as much as I enjoyed this. Like. I'm not saying this is aliens. Trust me. I'm just saying I like the gun. That's all I'm saying. Um, I thought all the future tech in this was pretty cool in the way that he used it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was cool. Like, I think the I, I don't know where they were filming, but I think like the location was awesome. Some of those trees looked like I'd never seen some trees that looked like that. Everything just looked kind of like prehistoric as fuck in this movie. Um, I guess it was like the heart that just didn't live up in this story. Like I wasn't like by the end, like, Oh my God, brought to tears or anything like that. I just thought it was kind of like, a, you know, like, you know, like it was trying to clone a little bit of Jurassic park, a little bit of aliens with like the whole newt storyline with the young girl and, and not communicating well. And, um, but uh, and I think that uh, I think honestly 
they should have leaned more into uh, the horror aspect of the dinosaurs. I wasn't really scared other than like a couple jump scares. I think that they really should have made the dinosaur. I don't know, made them a little scarier. Um, I don't know. If, I mean, the T-Rexes are big and scary anyway, but I think that there's things that you can do to make them a little bit scarier in this. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I was also a huge fan of the runtime that they got this all yeah. done in 90 minutes. I thought it was yeah. a really good choice that they didn't stretch it out. And I, you know, I, I also did appreciate the whole, like the, the whole meteor of it all. I thought that that was cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, 65 million years ago, that's when the, that comet that was the planet killer that took out the, the dinosaurs. That's when that crash landed in the Gulf of Mexico. And I mean, it, it was a planet killer. The only things that really survived were the small mammals that were alive at the time. And I love that they worked that into the story. Yeah. I'm going to give this a taste it. I'm going to give it a taste it. I, I I liked it, but I didn't love it. Like, if you would ask me, like, right after I got out of the movie, I would have been like, oh, I taste it. But now that I've sat on it, it's nothing that I'm rushing to go back and ever watch again. It was cool for a little bit of a theatrical experience, seeing some dinosaurs in a different kind of like, you know, in their setting 65 million years ago with the tech. I thought it was cool, but I'll give it a taste it. Um, Jake, what did you think about 65? Oh, I, I hated this movie. This was a giant toss it for me. I hate tossing 90 minute movies too. Cause I was very excited at that length, but Man, this thing felt like three hours to me. Like I, 20 years ago, we would refer to this kind of movie as a direct-to-video movie. Like that, that's what it felt like to me. I thought the, the special effects didn't hold up. Um, the dinosaurs, I don't know what it was about their design, but there was just like a, a weird cartoony effect to all their faces that made them completely not frightening to me at all. Um, I think it was when Adam Driver hit the one with the butt of the gun and you saw the cartoon stars above its head. That kind yeah. of. <laughs> I, I really wanted to like this movie, too. I, I came in being very excited just at the at the concept of it feeling just like one of those like old action movies. But, man, I, the special effects really took me out of it. And they were very often hiding their limitations, I thought. And it was so obvious that it took me out of the movie. Like he has these little like grenade things that when he throws them, the little three red lights blink before they explode. He uses these, I believe, on four different occasions in this movie. And all four times, it's the same shot. You zoom in all the way into the grenade. You see the blink. And then you cut to so far away that you don't even see the explosion that they couldn't afford to show you. And you can get away with that <laughs> trick once, but to get away with it four times in a 90 minute movie, I, I was besides myself at, at the audacity of what they were doing with this shit. I, um, yeah, I, I did not like this thing at all. I thought, do you guys know what like Chekhov's gun is? You know what I mean when I say that? Yeah. 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 I thought this movie was so terrible with that. Like in the first 20 minutes, it's nothing but things that any normal audience member could go, oh, that's going to come into play later. And it was like falling dominoes when everything just went into play. It was so predictable. Um, I hate when it's I don't want to spoil the movie, but man, I hate when it's like, oh, just in the nick of time, we avoided this disaster. Like that's so heavy handed in this movie. I wow, like Adam Driver must have lost a bet. He was definitely the best part of this movie, but even that performance really didn't do much for me. I 
this was terrible. This this giant toss it. Avoid this at all cost. Watch Jurassic World three rather than this. No, I, I, wow. I no, no way. No way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big disagree there, man. And I loved the first two Jurassic Worlds, but man, that I tossed one. both those movies. Yeah, well, this at least at least that movie has like a little bit of nostalgia for me. Yeah, but I get it. Yeah, yeah teach their own. But this was this was straight trash to me. Yeah. Yeah, Tristan, what did you think? Yeah, I went into the movie with lower expectations because they didn't release any reviews until like the day of. And just, you know, I I saw the Rotten Tomato score going into it. So I didn't have, you know, much to really hope for when I went into it. But, you know, it was enjoyable, I would say, just as a basic, you know, mid-range budget sci-fi film. I think it would play better if it was just like a direct-to-Netflix film because you wouldn't feel like you got out of bed and, you know, went to a theater and paid money to see this. You know, I think it would play a lot better if it was just streaming. Um, but overall, you know, I thought it was pretty decent, just given the fact that, you know, it's a man with a cool gun that's shooting dinosaurs, you know. And um, it's hard to watch dinosaur effects after the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World series because, you know, they did it so well. That regardless of what you think of the movies, you know, the effects are pretty solid. And they kind of shaped what we think dinosaurs look like. And so it kind of affects the way that I was uh, viewing the dinosaurs in this film. Um, the movie was extremely predictable. Like I played a game with myself where, you know, 20 minutes in, I was like, OK, predict everything that's going to happen from here on out. <laughs> I was able to basically predict the entire movie. Um, I also thought that Adam Driver He's a great actor, but I feel that he struggles when he's trying to play soft and lighthearted and humorous. I feel like he comes across a little wooden. Um, I, I did think the gun was cool. I'm glad he didn't have like a regular gun where you have to, you know, shoot the thing 50 times before it died. Because, um, you know, that just would have fucking been a slog to, to watch and, and wait through. Um, yeah, overall, it's a middle of the road taste for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's 65. Uh Wait, the porn version of this one's just called 69. Okay, I'm done. Done with <laughs> <laughs> It's getting old. <laughs> 65. It's out. I was looking down the list and seeing if there was any other shows with numbers that we were covering to prepare myself. Scream 69. Oh, <laughs> Ghost face. <laughs> screaming into an orifice. <laughs> this is so stupid. Um, yeah, so that's 65. It's out in theaters now with Adam Driver. Yeah, if you want to see some dinosaurs and some sci-fi. I, I mean, I went opening day. Uh, I, went, I think I went to an earlier sh- No, I went to like a seven... 7.15 showing, and there were maybe like six people there. So I was like, man, everybody's seeing Scream. Everybody that's parked out in the parking lot is seeing Scream 6 tonight. Well, Scream 6 was marketed. I mean, yeah. I don't think this was really marketed that well. No, no. Well, no, not too much. I, I barely even saw any posters for it up at the cinema that I go to. You got to yeah, because Sony knew it sucked. You, well, you got to be you got to be out of your mind to put this movie out in March now. Like March used to be a great month. Uh, I'd say about 
seven, eight years ago, if you put a movie out in March and there weren't a lot of, because there weren't a lot of movies coming out in March seven, eight years ago. And if you put a movie out in March that was any good, uh, you're going to get some money. I remember the Maze Runner, I think that came out in like March and it made a bunch of fucking money. Um, March right now, it's like we're getting, you know, uh, fucking uh, John Wick and Creed 3 and Scream 6 and... What's the other one? Uh, at the end of March, we're getting fucking uh, Dungeons, Dungeons and, Dragons. and Dragons. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, man, it's like it's like summer. It feels like the summer movies are getting started like in March. Like they're not even waiting till May. Like shit's coming out in April too. It's crazy. I mean, Marvel had so much success releasing movies in like February and shit. Yeah, so it kind of yeah. made the the marker for summer to start earlier. Yeah. Let's. Uh, yeah. I figured I'd be in the minority with my Tupperware on this one. It's got a 38% on Rotten Tomatoes, and the audience score is only 63%, but I had a really good time with it nonetheless. Would you watch it again, Joe? I guess I would. You said that. (laughs) Dude, as soon as I saw you on this episode, I was like, I got money on Jake tossing 65. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of guessed that was going to happen. I was confused why they called it 65 until I saw it, and then I realized they spent $65 making it. (laughs) <laughs> all to adam driver yeah exactly <laughs> great if it was, it was titled 6499 <laughs> uh, let's talk about scream six it dropped in the theater uh four survivors of the Ghostface murders leave woodsboro behind for a fresh start in new york city However, they soon find themselves in a fight for their lives when a new killer embarks on a bloody rampage. Um, one thing here real quick. Um, I saw this in 3D and I and I kid you not, this was so cool. No trailers before the movie started. It was a 3.30 showing and it started at 3.30. Holy shit. No trailers. Wow. That no was not trailer. my 3D experience. Oh my God. It was so cool. Like I'd say, you know, like 3 27 or whatever they had like a message from um uh jenna ortega saying you know thanks for coming to see the movie blah 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 and then i'm getting ready to see like all the trailers and it's like i see the fucking movie studio logo pop up i'm like holy shit they're just playing the movie and i was the only one in the theater at the 330 showing <laughs> oh wow in it was people awesome. walking back to their seats of popcorn and concessions all fucking shocked and pissed in just like the first 20 minutes nobody nobody came in i was oh, no just yeah nobody came oh. in it was awesome uh it's directed by matt bettelini open he worked on the vhs movies if you ever seen any of the vhs movies uh tyler gillette uh he worked on scream 2022 and then he also worked on the movie ready or not so that explains the samara weaving cameo um, oh. uh, it's written by james vanderbilt and guy busick uh, it is the sequel to Scream from 2022 and the sixth installment of the Scream fil- uh, film series. It stars uh, Melissa Barrera, Jasmine Savoy Brown, Mason Gooding, Jenna Ortega, Hayden Panettiere, and Courtney Cox, all reprising their roles from the previous installments alongside Jack Champion, uh, Henry Zerny, Leonardo Liberto, Dermot, Dermot Mulroney, Dermot Mulroney, not Dylan McDermott. Dermot Mulroney, uh, <laughs> Devin Nakoda, Tony Revolori, 
Josh Segarra and Samara Weaving. And, um, yeah, uh, they've already, they, they fucking, they greenlit Scream 7. And it's going to start filming before the end of this year. Like, they, they've got this on the fast track. Um, and the movie, I like, believe it, because the fifth one came out, like, less than a year ago, or exactly a year ago. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it, it brought in a, it exceeded expectations with the uh, box office haul that first week. And I think it was, like, $44.5 million. Um, I, that might just be for two days. I don't know if that's for all three days, but, but, um, yeah, uh, Jake, uh, I rem- recall you and I enjoying, uh, the last scream movie and saying we don't need more scream. What do you think? Did we need yeah, more scream? I'm going to go ahead and stand corrected. I, I actually really like this movie quite a lot. It, it's a high taste it for me. Um, I think that's what I gave the last one as well. I don't think I Tupperware that movie. Um, but I, honestly, I can't decide which one I like more. I think this one was filmed and acted better, and that one had a better mystery. Um, my biggest critique with this movie is I was very ahead of the game and within the first half an hour had pinpointed who the killers were. Don't I got, uh, You shouldn't even say that, man. Oh, yeah. I, I guess I apologize. So, <laughs> yeah, nothing I can do now. But that's that's always the case, right? It's never it's a... not always the case. I feel like of the six, only two of the six was I that far ahead of the game on. And so I was disappointed by that. That always takes a little bit of, of the fun out of it. And I think of all six, this was the one I was the most confident on. Like nothing was going to shake me. And yeah, Um I thought Hayden bringing her back was an interesting choice. Um, her acting was abysmal, though. Like, it was, like, nice to see her back. But then, like, she was involved in some of the worst scenes in the movie just with her acting. Like, when they do the uh, pop culture movie scene that should be a lot of fun in these screen movies, I thought she just made it so bad. So, um, but, yeah, this was great. I love the Courtney Cox scene. I love seeing her get to do that much of a physical performance for the first time in one of these movies. And I thought she handled that really well. Um, yeah, th- this was some good stuff, some interesting choices with the ending and the way they edited it. But I don't really want to get into that without spoiling anything. Yeah. You've spoiled enough. Um, I'd like to spoil more. I know. I know. <laughs> Trust me. I know you've, you've already gone out of your way. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I feel like I got Wayne on the podcast right now. <laughs> um, let's see here. I uh, I enjoyed it as well. I'm also going to give it a high taste. That I thought it had one of the the, the one of the uh, most fun uh, opening kills uh, yeah. in in the franchise. I mean, yeah. I, you know, nothing beats like the original Scream. Like as far as like if I had like, you know, my power rankings of these movies, nothing beats the original. Never will. It'll never, but I feel like they've kind of, you know, I, I, I've seen Scream kind of go off the rails in past movies. And I feel like they've, within the, the last, these last two, they've kind of reined it in and they're fun, man. I, I hope this becomes like a yearly kind of thing that we can look forward to getting a new Scream movie every year. Kind of like back when we used to get a new Saw movie every year. And I, I dropped off a Saw, so it's not like I was going every year to watch the Saw movies. But it'd be nice to see these movies just continue to fucking make make money and uh, 
us get I'm not saying I, I'm not saying I want to be, you know, in, in, in you know, in six years, I, I want to be on fucking Scream 12. I'm just saying I would it'd be nice to get up maybe to like Scream 10 or something like that. If they can keep these fun. Uh, I like this group that calls themselves the core four. I've kind of grown to enjoy the characters and uh, how untrusting they are of anybody else that's on the outside. Um, uh, I thought I, I like I like Mason Gooding in this. I thought Jenna Ortega was great. I even like uh, the girl who's the daughter of Billy. I'm even leaning towards that whole storyline of her talking to her dead fucking ghost dad. Like I'm just like whatever, <laughs> fuck it. Well, it's, let's do this, man. It's kind of it's kind of cool seeing her fucking go all serial killer ham on the on the ghost face people. Um, but uh, I had fun. I don't think 3D lent it anything, to be quite honest. No, there was you. the whole thing was in 3D for the one ladder scene. Yeah, I don't think it lent anything, to be honest with you. I think it, um, you know. It's and I wasn't expecting it to be fucking Avatar: The Way of Water, okay? But you know, <laughs> I expected them to. You know, I got more out of fucking Jackass 3D than I did this. I'll be honest. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I was I was curious how you were going to report on the 3D because I kind of raised an eyebrow. I'm like, you played the upcharge for 3D? Okay. I did. Yeah, man. I was like, when's the last time I saw a horror movie in 3D? And it was. I think I was telling Jake it was like maybe the Piranha 3D movie. And yeah, so, I've got a list. There's no upcharge for me. I, I was like, I don't know. I was intrigued by it. But Brian's right. There's one that one ladder scene looked really cool. Yeah. Everything else looked like shit. Yeah. 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 Tristan, what'd you think about uh, Scream 6? Yeah, I agree. It had one of the most unique openings of all the Scream films. Yeah. Um, I liked how different this ghost face was. He uses guns and he kills like in public amongst a bunch of people and you know has no no um he's not he's not limited to just fucking you know chasing one person in a secluded place um i'm still bothered by how ghostface is just typically you know just a regular guy or girl but always seems to have this superhuman strength and endurance and perfect 2020 vision despite wearing the mask and sometimes I wish they would just stomp that motherfucker like when they knocked him down, but they always just keep running and let him get back up again. <laughs> um, you know, I'm wondering why they didn't bring guns to the final showdown, you know, um, just little things like that bother me. But overall, you know, it's a screen film and it is what it is. Um, you know, I enjoyed the characters, you know, Jen Ortega and her sister. Um, you know, I think they're, they're great leads. Um, I wasn't completely satisfied with the reveal because I kind of predicted it like Jake as well, but I, I was still engaged and I enjoyed the film. Um, I couldn't figure out where I saw the roommate before. I was like, where have I seen that roommate? And it was Spider from uh, Way of Water. So, yeah, that freaking made sense. Yeah, it really shows that. you yeah. how long ago they filmed that. Yeah, because he's so much older now. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> I didn't even catch that until you just said it, dude. Yeah. Because, yeah, I kept looking at him going, well, how do I know this guy's face? Yeah, yeah. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, he's like five I, years I, older and shit. Too. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. So I give it a high taste. You know what bothered me? You know what bothered me about this movie the most is the fact that the the subway train, the subway scene, they gave away what happens in that scene in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, that's too bad. That oh, they yeah, did that's that. the worst. It's like, you know, you know, Ghostface is stalking. I'm not going to spoil it here if you haven't seen the trailer, but, you know, Ghostface is stalking somebody in the subway train. And in the trailer, it shows you exactly who uh, Ghostface, you know, gets his hands on in, in it. So I was a little uh, annoyed uh, with that from the trailers. Uh, Joe, what would you think of Scream 6? Okay, so when when Scream 2022 came out, I was I was not into it at all. And and I remember hearing you guys' review and you guys liking it and and other friends of the pod that that do movie reviews, they liked it as well. And and eventually my wife watched it at home and she liked it and she was like, "No, you really got to see it." And so drug me into it kicking and screaming and I was like, "I this is actually a pretty solid Scream movie." And Going into this one, I really liked the trailers for it, and so I was pretty excited. And also, my wife does not go to the theater; like, she doesn't like it. Like, she she has misophonia, and so if she, she'll rather than watch the movie, she'll focus on the sound of someone next to us chewing popcorn loudly. And instead of watching the movie, she'll just fixate on how badly she wants to murder that person. And so she generally doesn't go to the, the theater very often. And I actually got her talked into it. And so it was a, a really rare experience where I got to go and see a movie in the theater with my wife. And so that made it pretty cool. She's also hugely into horror films. And um, and so that just that right there made it a little bit extra special for me. We saw it at 1230 on Sunday and it was a it wasn't a packed auditorium, but but it was what was it the, was a fair amount of people. in there. What was the weather like outside, Joe? Uh, it wasn't bad. It was nice out. Uh, humidity was it? Was there precipitation? It was. <laughs> there was no precip. Was there any? Uh, what, what direction were the winds coming from? <laughs> <laughs> um. And so anyway, yeah. Um, I'm, a, did you, yeah. I'm a dick. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> You like you really you're like Stephen King when you talk. You really paint a picture. You can tell that Joe's a writer. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I can't help it. I'm I'm fucking long winded. I I work good in in spoken form. <laughs> <laughs> Better in writing because then I can agonize over a paragraph for fucking three hours at a time when I hate, really hate myself. Um, but uh, yeah, Scream Six. Uh, dude, I I fucking loved this movie. Nice. I feel like. I wasn't the biggest fan of, of Scream 2, 3, and 4. Like, they, each one I, I liked successively less than than the previous one. Now, the first Scream movie, I went into that not even under, not even having seen a trailer for it. But my mom and sister were just like, oh, you got to come with us to go see this movie. It looks amazing. Went into it not even having seen a trailer, and it blew my fucking mind. Like, that first Scream movie is, like, it's my favorite slasher movie of all time. I absolutely love it. I, um, I was... Uh, when did that first one come out? Like 95, maybe something like that. So 96. I, I saw it when, 96. 96. So yeah, I saw it when I was 15 or 16 years old and it totally worked for me for that. That was my teen slasher movie. And then each movie that came out after it, you know, I go in stoked thinking, all right, it's a sequel to scream, but it's just not living up to that first one. And it wasn't until last year where I was like, Hey, maybe, maybe they are coming back. But then when they talked about a sequel, I was like, Oh, can they really do it again? And I, I feel like Scream 22 and Scream 6 now is a return to form for the franchise. This Scream 6 was a Tupperware for me. I, I loved it. I felt like this movie did things that weren't in the other movies while still paying homage to those other movies and doing it in a meta way. 
the the way that these screen movies can because you know in in the franchise itself there's a film tr- franchise that's based on it and so they're able to make all these meta references to it and it absolutely worked in this movie um i i love the the characters the the core four as they call themselves in this is i'm absolutely endeared to them and i was sincerely worried about them throughout the whole movie i um the i don't know, just it's it's amazing to me that six movies in they they found a way to still keep making them fresh because it had gone very much off the rails and then they they righted course on it and much like you were saying earlier you're hoping we get new screen movies coming out regularly like I'm, I'm right there with you i i hope that they continue to keep making these fresh and it still works um i i also love that this one had a post credit scene and the post credit scene was fucking fantastic uh, worked great, especially with all the meta commentary that was in this movie. Um, I thought the performances in it were really great. Um, I loved what Courtney Cox got in it. I really wish that this production company had just ponied up some extra cash and paid Nev Campbell and, and that she could have been in this movie. I thought it was okay the way they referenced her, but I really would have liked to have seen, you know, Sydney in this movie. I mean, she was, our, our main character through so many films. And of course, Jenna Ortega with the popularity of Wednesday, I think that probably didn't hurt this movie at all. And she did a fantastic job in this. I'm looking, <clears throat> looking forward to her in the sequels. Oh, spoiler. Um, Melissa Barrera, who played <sighs> Sam in this, like I absolutely loved her. She was fucking great. This, this same tortured character who's concerned about the fact that, that her father was Billy Loomis, the serial killer from the first movie. And, and is she going to turn out like him? Dude, is, is public perception on her correct? Like, I, I love that tortured character aspect of this. This was also the first screen movie that was set in New York City, and I feel like that setting worked really well in this. The fact that you can be surrounded by people on all sides – and still nobody's seeing the horrible shit that's happening to you. It just feels <laughs> it, it, it's it's like a perfect setting for it in a way. I love the opening scene on this. I think this was my favorite opening scene outside of, you know, the Drew Barry, the, the iconic Drew Barrymore scene from the first movie. Uh, th- this was great. This was a Tupperware for me. It, it it did it. This is, I think, next to the original. This is probably my favorite Scream movie. When's the last time you saw that uh, that uh, original scream uh, it, it, with the Drew Barrymore uh, opening? Oh, down? it's it's been a few years now. Lindsay and I have been working on the boys trying to get them to go for it because we know it'll scare the shit out of them. But it's like, dude, this is like one of the best slasher movies ever made. If, if there's anything that's going to be the first slasher movie that you're going to watch, this should be it. Man, you go back and, and you watch yeah. it now and it's like, I remember it. I remember watching it when I was, you know, that 96, I had just graduated high school. I remember seeing that in the theater. Uh, mm-hmm. But I remember, I remember it, but, you know, coming back and watching it last year again, I didn't remember how dark it really truly was. Oh, um, yeah. Because it's like at the end of that, not only does she get murdered, but her parents come home to see her hanging from a fucking tree. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. wow, that was dark as shit, man. Yeah, isn't she hanging yeah, from the tree was... with her guts hanging out of her too? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like it's way mm-hmm. fucked up. And also, you know, the first time you see that, that's Drew Barrymore. You're not thinking as an audience yeah. member that she's gonna die in the first fucking opening. And they had her in the marketing too. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so that yeah, was, they treated her like the star. That was absolutely shocking 
to to see that in that first movie and just the way that these movies go with with these people realizing that hey this could be somebody very close to us that's just playing a part and and really they are a fucking murdering psychopath that's going around and gutting people with a knife and I don't know. This movie just carried on that lineage in, in a very good way, and it modernized it. And, and I feel like it was a return to form for this franchise. I think Nev Campbell took a gamble here, hoping that this movie was going <laughs> to. I think she took a gamble, th- hoping that this movie would flop and that they would have to come. That they <laughs> the would Campbell have gamble. The Campbell Gamble. <laughs> she was hoping this movie was going to flop and that they would have to come back to her and with and up the offer. And now that this movie is just raking in the dollars, I think she shot herself in the foot and th- they're going to be like both yeah. Nev Campbell and Sly Stallone. <laughs> yeah. Like, in the foot. like they, they don't need her. They don't need her. So yeah, they're going to they say she's dead next movie. Like so, this movie, they said she was on vacation. Next movie, they're going to say she's dead. Yeah. Yeah, they don't need her. And, you know, I mean, I'm not giving my personal thoughts. Like Joe's already said he'd like to see her come back. And I I honestly think like they could go maybe a couple more movies. I would like to see her come back eventually. But I'm thinking like we don't need her right now. We really don't. We don't need her right now. So I I really think they just need to divorce themselves from the original cast altogether. I mean, because, I mean, you got to keep it fresh. I mean, it's like how often is... Courtney Cox going to find herself in that situation. You know? Well, they've already got the new, like the the Billy Loomis's daughter's already got her boyfriend, who I just I'm calling him like n- new Dewey, Newey. He's like the, you know what I mean? He's the, <laughs> right. Dewey. Mm-hmm. He's Newey. the he's the new Dewey. Like I don't think that they need these legacy characters. Um, so no, they don't need him. And for me, it's more like Nev Campbell was the one who. You know, she was our heroine throughout these first three movies. And the fact that she was like, hey, if you want me to be in this, pay me my due. And the production company was like, nah, we don't need your ass. And so just for for Nev Campbell, the actor, I, I would have liked to have seen her get her due in terms of a, a paycheck, because I think she was one of the quintessential figures that built this franchise to what it is. I don't care if she gets paid or not, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> She's I mean, I, I, I agree with Joe to an extent. I mean, good for her for knowing her worth and being able to be in a position where where she can say, you know, this isn't enough. But as far as the writing and the production of the movie, like they, it didn't do anything to hurt it. That's I don't my think the movie was. That's my whole point. I have yeah, nothing I agree with that. A hundred percent. I have nothing against Nev Campbell, but like she, she took the risk like do they really she got terrence howard (laughs) yeah she did she really did she did she no if she got terrence howard they would have had don chadle come back to play sydney (laughs) (laughs) that would be amazing i go back to something uh, tristan said in his review real quick because i i have the same thought there's one scene where they really get ghost face down really good and then they hard cut to them just running balls and i'm like Man, I had the same thought. They should have just stomped down right there. I did not understand why you get him yeah. down like that. It, it, it took me out of it just for that second. Like it was unintentionally funny how hard they ran after they clearly got the upper hand. Yeah. Well, and, and also another thing with this, it's like if I were in this world or just in the real world right now, if I ever went through something where somebody was trying to kill me, 
and I had to run and run. And it was like a most horrifying bit of my life. Like I wouldn't go anywhere, not armed. I like yeah. my new thing would be training like John wick. Like these ladies should have been like Joan wick, <laughs> but they're not. Instead, they're just trying to get through life, like therapy and, and, and let's not even think about it. And it's like, no, think about it. Be prepared. Everyone get a fucking gun. Everyone should have a taser at least. Oh, for sure. Oh, and I loved the use of the taser in this one too. Oh, the yeah. First act, like that it made great. me cheer in the theater. That was great. Oh. And before we move on, I want to give some love to the uh, Jada Pinkett opening sequence because I think it is an all timer too. And we're just talking about the first and the last. And I, oh man, the meta ness of it being in the movie theater and how all that goes down. I, I think that opener's right there, if not second best. That was a good one. Yeah. You guys ready to take a break? Yeah. No, no. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to keep going then. Oh, shit. You called my block. (laughs) Yeah, I did. (laughs) You bet like Nev Campbell and lost. I know. (laughs) (laughs) You took the Campbell gamble and you fucking lost, Jake. I got Campbelled. Jake, I want to know what you thought about the post credit scene. I loved it. I thought it was super brilliant. Um, I actually Googled it as soon as the movie ended to see what it was and read it verbatim and then left and didn't stick around for it. I, I thought it was not appropriate <laughs> to stick around for a post-credit sequence that was going to make fun of people that stuck around for post-credit sequences. I'm like, I am not getting lumped in with these motherfuckers. That's hilarious, but I'm not seeing it. Yeah. Uh, dude, the majority of my cinema like stuck around for it, and I laughed so fucking hard at it. You know, It was, <laughs> it was great. Yeah. Michelle, Michelle stuck around for it, and uh, she said she laughed pretty hard. Yeah, I thought it was a good one. All right, let's take a quick break, and yeah, I'm caving. We'll take a quick break. Look, quick, take a quick break, and uh, we'll be right back. That's how that works. And we are going to be talking about uh, Triangle of Sadness. This actually just dropped on Hulu. And uh, it was out in theaters. I almost caught this in the theater, but didn't. Uh, Carl and Yaya, a couple of influencers, are invited to a luxury cruise ship alongside a group of out-of-touch wealthy people. The situation takes an unexpected turn when a brutal storm hits the ship. It's a satirical black comedy film written and directed by Ruben Osland in his English-language feature uh, film debut. Uh, stars Harris Dickinson, uh, Charles B. Dean, Dolly DeLeon, Zlatko Burek, Henrik Dorsen, Vicky Berlin, and Woody Harrelson. It had its world premiere at the 2022 Cannes Film Festival, uh, where it received an eight-minute standing ovation for Triangle of Sadness. And, uh, yeah, Joe, what did you think about this one? No, dude, I hated this movie with a burning passion of a thousand suns. Like it was so 
fucking like throughout the whole first like because this movie split into three parts. Yes. And throughout the whole first part of this, I, I, I was watching it with my wife and like there was like a few times where I'm like, if you want to bail, I get it. Because out of the two of us, I'm the only one that has to watch this. And so for you to continue on with it, it's it's just it's just masochistic and you can bail if you want. And and after 45 minutes, we shut it off. And then eventually I went back and, and continued watching it by myself and just kept fast forwarding through parts. And I didn't like this at all. I think that it's a, a, egregious that they call this a comedy because there is no funny to be had in this movie that I found at all. Uh I, I didn't like anything about this. The fact that this was a nominee for Best Picture, it makes me seriously question what the fuck the Academy saw in this. You, <laughs> you said an eight-minute standing ovation? What the fuck? I disagree with every single one of those people that would stand up and clap for this. I didn't like a single thing about this. Um, when I saw that Woody Harrelson was in it, I was like, hey, at least there's a shining star there. I love Woody Harrelson. And granted, his part was kind of funny, but... N- n- not enough to save this for me. I-, I fucking hated this movie, and it's it's and it was over two hours. It was like two hours and ten minutes, two hours twenty minutes, something like that. And it's it- it's it's time of my life that I'll never get back. I I don't understand how this was a nominee for best picture because it was it was it was fucking terrible. If I had seen this in the theater, it never would have been finished. It would have been a movie that I would just got up and walked out on. And like, well, that was fifteen bucks I wasted in the cinema. So this was a total toss it for me. I, I didn't like it at all. I went into it with these high expectations thinking, oh, great. It's a comedy. It's got a good word of mouth with it. It's a best picture nominee. Nah, I, I, I absolutely detested this movie. Oh, man. I gave it a nine minute standing ovation, Joe. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I fucking loved it. (laughs) (laughs) I loved it. I'm giving it a Tupperware. I loved it, man. I don't. I'm not. I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry, nuts. I loved it. I don't know. It's I've (laughs) seen ratings are subjective, especially on stuff like this. I get it. It's uh, yeah, I loved it. I I I thought I was very. You know, I didn't know what I was getting into with this movie at first, and it, it basically you've got uh, this guy, this this male model Carl with his uh, model and influencer girlfriend, and like they have like this. It was just interesting to see like these two models have like this argument about like who pays for what, and she makes three times the money that he does, and they get into this whole argument, and then all of a sudden, then the storm happens, and then it's like the roles are reversed on the island when it turns into like this Lord of the Flies kind of situation, and I was just intrigued, man. It was just crazy seeing like this one woman of the crew kind of like take over and start leading this group of like really wealthy people on this island. Like they look to her as the leader. And uh, I like that social kind of, I don't know. I like the social commentary in this one. And I guess it worked for me. I fucking loved it. I'm giving it a Tupperware. I thought it was fantastic. Dude, <laughs> dude, for that first part, the only thing worse than being in an argument about money is watching two vapid, awful people being in an argument about money. Yeah, I felt like a fly on the wall. I felt like a fly on the wall just, watching two. I, I would have swatted myself. Uh, it was just it was it, the whole thing was ridiculous. But I was like intrigued. I was just like, OK, 
Yeah. <laughs> Let's take a look into the life of these two vapid people. <laughs> it's the same fucking reason. It's the same fucking reason people watch the real housewives of whatever the fuck, Joe. Yeah. And I, and I can't, to be fair, I can't watch that shit either. I don't this either. Is, yeah. I, uh, uh. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I loved it. I loved watching the, uh, the, they had the one guy. Uh, who was like prowling for the women on the boat and like the you know the model and like the the rich the rich guy sitting back like look at this guy look at this guy and then he starts making moves on him and they're <laughs> and the looks yeah, on the, their the faces Russian oligarch guy <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> who looked like Andre the Giant's regular size brother yes yes <laughs> it, like like uh, yeah he looked like he was in the Devito family you know. Um, he was definitely weird looking. Yeah. The only way that guy's getting ass without paying for it is by having that much money. Yeah. Uh, Jake, what do you think about Triangle of Sadness? Yeah, I am on the polar opposite of Joe this episode, apparently, because I also Tupperware this movie. Uh, I I I loved it. I was sucked in by the opening 20-minute argument yes. about who pays who on yes. the uh, dinner check. <laughs> yes. I, and I am... Um, this is one of those movies that I saw the trailer for like 17 times before I saw the movie. And I actually did not think the trailer did this movie any justice whatsoever. Um, I think I made fun of it on this podcast because it really touts itself up. Like it tells you that it's the funniest movie ever. It tells you about how popular it was at Cannes. And I was just kind of off put by how much the trailer like put this movie on its own pedestal. But I, yeah, I was just sucked in from beginning to end. I thought it was hilarious. I thought the ending itself was pure genius. Um, man, I, I loved almost every character. I, I think especially the uh, male model character just had me dying with what his kind of character arc was from beginning to end. Um, yeah, th- this was great. I, I highly recommend this. If you have Hulu, I mean, I, I guess to each their own. But man, this this really knocked it out of the park for me yeah yeah okay here we go here we go so two two of us loved it joe hated it (laughs) tristan where do you fall um you know what um i had no idea that this was nominated for best picture at the oscars and like probably the first five minutes i was just like what the fuck is this i felt so uncomfortable with these naked teens on my screen <laughs> and I was just watching it and just trying to figure out what the fuck this was about. I didn't watch any of the trailers or anything. Um, and it, I, I still didn't know what the fuck the movie was about, like probably like 45 minutes into it. But like, I laughed so fucking much in this movie <laughs> and I thought the characters are great. I thought that the Russian dude was fucking hilarious. You know, when his wife is coming over and showing him her, his phone and saying, can I buy this? And he's like, yeah oh yeah (laughs) just commentary on just the fucking all the shit that we that we hate about the one percent you know and i thought it was a really beautifully shot film like some of these scenes just look like out of the museum like the way that it was shot um the old couple and you know their their history (laughs) with grenades like that shit fucking (laughs) just floored me when i was when it, when that happened, um, the, I think it's one the, of ours. <laughs> yeah, that was a funny part. <laughs> yeah, the the whole like seasick scene, like like when the that shit just fucking had me just fucking rolling. Oh I was my high god! As fuck, but like, but it, I was the one woman, in, <laughs> the one woman in the bathroom 
sliding <laughs> on the floor. Oh my god. <laughs> She's like fucking shitting and vomiting at the same time. <laughs> 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 oh man, like at the end of the day, like when I saw where it went and you know the the cleaning woman becomes like the leader and and you know also how it ended, like this is a movie that like really kind of stuck with me a bit and I always base my ratings on how much do I want to recommend this to someone. And there was a number of people that I, that I contacted and was like, you are definitely going to like this. Like people are just into these weird fucking art house films. And so, yeah, like I fucking took word this too. That is wild, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I couldn't be farther away from you guys. Like this was one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Oh my Joe, god! I, I can see where you're coming from, though, because I feel like if I saw this movie in the wrong mood or setting, I would probably hate it. Like, that could just, have been part of it because yeah. I'm I've been getting over a cold, and so when yeah. I watched this, like I wasn't feeling good either. Yeah, and or, yeah. or if you're just wanting something that's entertaining and, and straight to the point, you're going to be very disappointed. Like it's like, I mean, you got to go through, jump through yeah. hoops and. You know, circle around the block a couple times before you even know what the fuck is going on here. I know. Yeah, it feels yeah. like a completely yeah. different movie by the time you get to like the third act. The yeah. third act is extremely different yeah. from the first. Yeah. But I just felt like that whole first part was such a slog to get through. There was oh, I loved it. Nothing <laughs> funny in it for me at all. And it's just it. like it was like I hate both of these people. And then when they're on a boat, I was like, I hope it sinks in the deepest fucking part of the ocean. I <laughs> one of them on it because fuck them. And in fact, can we sink all the yachts with all these vapid fucking people on it? Like, I was really feeling the hate watching this, and clearly it affected me. Yeah. <laughs> I really loved the uh, I loved the donkey hunting scene. I think that's the hardest I laughed. That was so over the top for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was laughing at the woman who just kept saying "indivoken." I didn't know until this morning that the uh, lead actor that played Yaga had passed away at like thirty. Yeah, yeah, she died like right before it opened. <gasps> oh, really? Yeah, she was, and I found out because they left her out of the uh, Oscars thing where they they say all the people that had passed away that year, and I was like, "Wow, that's pretty brutal." She's like literally. The star of something nominated for best picture. Yeah. Oh. oh, that's an egregious. That's an egregious non-mention for her. That's yeah. Terrible. That's Charles B. Dean, that that tragically passed away. Yeah, that's a shame. I I didn't really look much into it, but they said it was like a sudden illness. No spoilers, but no spoilers, please. But do you think that she did it at the end? Yes. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Man, I guess I'm the only one that thinks that she didn't. It was all in her face, man. Go back and watch that scene and look at her face and tell me she didn't do it. Okay. That, I agree, Jake. Okay. All right. Yeah. I loved it, man. That's crazy, Joe. I was like, as soon as as soon as you said you hated it, I was like, man, I'm going to be the only one that liked this, so I'm going to speak up now. <laughs> I, I, was, I was really worried. I thought you guys were all going to toss this. I'm like, man, I guess I'm the big idiot here. I was going to downplay my Tupperware. <laughs> well, just, yeah, like, it was like great, was sh- but it wasn't that good. <laughs> well, and I was just shocked that it was a Best Picture nominee and that I felt this, like, that I disliked it so much. And in... I was like, I might be in the minority on this because it is a Best Picture nominee. 
maybe there's more to this that that other people like, and clearly there is. I mean, three Tupperwares and, and one toss it. That's I that's kn- pretty wild. I knew I wasn't gonna sway on my rating, no matter how much you fucking hated this. So it's that's why I stepped up. I'm like, man, because <laughs> you know, I'm I'm gonna give you the real, dude. I'm not gonna be fucking influenced. We got influences on this fucking boat in this movie, but I'm not gonna be fucking influenced. So I was like, I don't care if <laughs> oh, Joe no. hated this oh, movie. Yeah. I'm gonna. I fucking loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. But, uh, man, different strokes for different folks, man. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I get it. I can understand it too, Joe. Like Tristan said, he understood why you didn't like it. I can get it as well. I, I you know. I, I, was, I was laughing my ass off when they, when they uh, washed ashore on the, the, the island. <laughs> and the Russian guy sees the one black guy. And he's like, wait a minute, who are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh, remembered him being on the boat. Dude, dude, dude. I mean, he's one of the pirates. Yes. Dude. <laughs> and throughout throughout the whole fucking movie, they call him pirate. And by the end of it, by the end of it, he's laughing with them. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. This, these guys are fucking hilarious. Oh, man. All right. Let's talk about... Um, broker uh this is this hit the theater i wanted to see this in the theater but um i missed it and so um once i saw that it was on video on demand i was like i gotta check this out it's a uh south korean drama film uh ha sang hyun is the owner of a hand laundry and volunteers at an, at the nearby church where his friend dong su works the two run an illegal business together sang hyun Occasionally steals babies from the church's baby box with Dong Su, who deletes the church's surveillance footage that shows a baby was left there. They sell the babies on the adoption black market. But when a young mother so young comes back after having abandoned her baby, she discovers them and decides to go with them on a road trip to interview the baby's potential parents. Meanwhile, two detectives, Su Jin and Lee, are on their trail. Uh, it's, it's a South Korean drama film written and directed by Japanese filmmaker Hirokazu Korida. And, uh, yeah. Um, Jake, what'd you think about Broker? I'm going to give Broker a high taste it. Um, I liked it quite a lot. It's a, it's a bit of a slow burn. Um, in a lot of ways, it reminded me of kind of an older movie that, that really lets itself breathe. I mean, there's lots of just moments of, looking at the character, reflecting on kind of what's going on. But I thought this really worked for this movie. I I really liked a lot of the messages this movie had. I thought this movie was the perfect amount of length for me to believe the connections that these characters eventually make with each other by the end of this movie. I feel like you cut 10, 15 minutes from this movie and it kind of makes the ending not work potentially. Like I, I thought it was very well done in that, that aspect. I, a lot of believable choices by all these very complex characters. Um, yeah, yeah, this was, this was very good. I, I did not know what to expect. I was very moved by the, uh, scene where it was, I'm going to go ahead and call it the, uh, I'm glad you were born scene. I, I was just very moved by that scene. Oh God. And, yeah. uh, yeah. yeah, I thought this was a, a fantastic movie. I may, maybe the only thing keeping it from being a Tupperware is, like I said, a, a little bit of those uh, some of those shots went a little bit too long and maybe could have been used to just establish even more character. Yeah. <clears throat> 
uh, I'm also going to give it a high taste that I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's a fucked up situation. Cause it's like, you know, you meet these two guys and they're selling babies that it's kind of fucked up that there's a baby box anyway, there you can just leave your baby in this box I, I I just that kind of blew me away. I was just kind of like, that's that's wild. Um, but having the mother then come back and then her go on like this journey with them to find adoptive parents, and then like I thought the the, the first set of parents that they talked to, and they're complaining about the the baby's eyebrows being too thin, and then they're trying to you know get on like a payment plan and all this shit, and then the mother gets offended, and she's like, "No, we're not selling to them," and they walk away, and um, and then I liked I liked that we kind of like got into the layers of the different characters, like the one guy who actually had been raised in kind of like an orphanage and. He was abandoned by his mother, and here we have a mother who is abandoning her child, and it was kind of like a way for him to kind of like understand where she was coming from and how and her situation and in a way try I don't know I just thought it was very yes yeah, same note and everything yeah yeah I, I thought it was very moving um and uh, at first the the two female detectives that are following them they kept showing them in the car eating something new every time and I thought that that was going to be a comedic beat to the movie that every time we saw them in the police car they'd be eating something <laughs> And that wasn't the case, but they were eating a lot at the beginning. Um, <laughs> I felt sympathy. I, too, have ate my ramen too fast one time. <laughs> <laughs> I also like that crunchy. The, the scene where they get pulled over by the cop and it was like the nicest police officer ever. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so high taste it. Uh, Joe, what do you think about Broker? Yeah, I'm actually right in line with you and Jake on this one. This was also a high taste it for me. <laughs> Joe's um, like, Joe's like, you Broker know. has unified us back. <laughs> right. <laughs> Joe's like, ready to come with a hot fire. Yeah. Joe's like, if, <laughs> Joe's like, if you can't beat him, join him. Fuck it. Yeah, high taste it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm you know, I I have mixed feelings on dramas. Dramas, just straight dramas aren't my my favorite genre that I go to. And uh, this this movie was great, man. It's a Korean film and, you know, it's it's subtitles. And and I really feel like audiences shouldn't shouldn't let that hold them back. Like it's okay to go into something and read because these Korean filmmakers are really making a splash with with movies like this and Parasite. Um, You know, it's it's worth jumping over that curb because there's a whole another world of cinema out there waiting for you if you can just get over reading what the people are saying. And I I thought this movie was was really really powerful and it had a great message. And when on paper what what these two main characters are doing is heinous and and really despicable, but when you actually see these characters in action in this movie, these are empathetic characters that are filled with love for these children and they have a legitimate hope that that what they're doing is going to give these children a better life 
And they're not just selling them to the highest bidder. They're actually looking at these people buying. And if they have a feeling like, oh, this is a reseller, they're going to take this baby and turn around and sell it to somebody else. They're not going to sell it to that person. And in in fact, one of the characters, uh, the the younger guy, you know, he he grew up going through the system. He was left at a shelter with a note saying, I'll come back for you. And his mother never came back. And he grew up knowing that his mother left this note and it affected him. And so now as an adult, he's now this baby broker where if a mother drops off a baby with a note saying, hey, I'll come back, that means that the baby won't get put up for adoption because these the way that the laws apparently work in Korea is that if a mother leaves a note saying, I'll be back, that means that baby is just going to be in group homes for its entire life. And that's the way that this character grew up and he wants something better for these babies. And so it was really interesting. And also the older guy, how tender and loving he was with these babies. You can tell that this is just a guy who really treasured being a father. And when you dig into this guy's story a little bit more and you see the relationship that he has with his own daughter, it, you just understand a little bit more why he is the way he is. And the way that this movie delves into the personalities of each different character that comes to be in this I mean, they kind of form this own little family throughout the movie. And, and in a way, as a viewer, you, you start to hope as it goes along that, hey, maybe this can be the family. Maybe this can be the found family that these characters have. And I don't want to spoil anything with it because I really feel like this movie deserves your attention. And it deserves a watch. And you should go in and watch it and see how it turns out. Mm-hmm. And for, for every character in it, they all go on a journey and – and and I feel like there's impact with the way that for the way that this movie turns out for each one of these characters, and yeah. So for me, as a high taste, did I I really really enjoyed it. Um, it was already coming in at, at a disadvantage for me because I'm not the biggest fan of dramas. I don't go into them with a lot of stoke to watch them. I get, and uh, this movie did it for me. I, I I genuinely enjoyed it, and I felt moved by this. And and also just in terms of like safe havens and baby boxes, like this isn't something that's just exclusive to Korea. We have these in the States, too. Um, while we were talking, I did a quick Google search on them. And like <sighs> apparently in Indiana, there's a lot of these drop boxes. What the fuck? And it's like, like fire like, stations, right? Well, pretty much any the way I understand wow. the law is pretty much any fire station in the United States is a safe haven where if if you are a mother and you have a young you have a baby that you feel like, hey, I can't give this thing the best life and I just want to, no questions asked, just drop it off somewhere where they will take care of it all. Then, yeah. And that's the way it is. They they pretty much fire stations in the United States, you can go and just drop a baby off there. It's, I mean, and, I'll take that over fucking dropping them off in a dumpster. You know what I mean? I, no, I agree. Yeah, I that's agree why they because, were created. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They were created to to preserve the lives of these young babies, because if this young mother has no options and she feels like, oh, my gosh, I can't take care of this thing. I have no options. What can I do? These safe haven laws make it and give you an option. And there actually are states that have these boxes. There's a shitload of them on Google Maps. There's just a shitload of them in Indiana, a bunch of them in Arkansas as well. But there are these safe haven laws that I, I'm pretty sure are active in every state where like hospitals and fire departments, you can just go and drop off a baby. No questions asked, which is wild. But mm-hmm. it's better. Like you said, Brian, it's much better than that baby getting left somewhere 
where it's not going to survive. I just remember hearing stories in the 90s, like real stories in the newspaper where it's like girl is going to go to, you know, she's pregnant. She's getting ready to go to her prom. She has the baby, dumps yeah. it in a dumpster and then goes to her prom. And yep. like, I remember they, hearing those stories. Yeah. Too. And yep. then you see all these pictures of her at her prom, like moments after she gave birth and just dropped her baby off in a dumpster. And it's like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Since 1999 to 2021, 4,505 infants have been put in baby boxes. Um, The dumpster stat in the same time period is 31. Mm. So, I mean, I guess they, I I mean, it is weird, but. Wouldn't it be weird if it was like, if they fucking, if Blockbuster back in the day started doing it? You could put, you know what I mean? <laughs> like there was like, they've already, got the, they've already got the video drop box. They might the people are just it. sitting there like waiting for someone to bring in a baby. <laughs> you know, <I> mean, imagine <laughs> that. No, there's like, you know, it says she's due any second. <laughs> there's like the, there's like the return, the slot for the videos. And then there's also one with the baby on it, you know, <laughs> but like Blockbuster had like this promotion that if you were a baby and they dropped you off there, you'd get free rentals for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> You're a blockbuster baby. <laughs> yeah, well, that like, didn't work out good for those babies. I know. No, it didn't. They got <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. They're uh, man, couldn't you have left me at a red box? <laughs> <laughs> it's like depositing your paycheck in an ATM. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I can't give you the life that you deserve, but you'll be able to rent Time Cop as much as you want. To. <laughs> <laughs> Time Cop of all movies. <laughs> 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 something relevant like Luke who's talking. We got a fucking Time Cop. <laughs> I don't know why I pulled Time Cop. Tristan what did you think about Broker yeah I'm actually gonna go level up in Tupperware this I really loved it Um, the as Joe was saying like it's so amazing like the beauty of foreign language films because you get to see stories that aren't part of like the American culture because something like this couldn't really be made by an American filmmaker because that topic is not as prevalent here as it is over there and so, you know, you would get an entirely different movie if someone tried to do it here. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, we're exposed to these different stories and Korea is just fucking killing it. Um, I think, you know, it's another reason why I love doing, you know, this show, because I never would have fucking watched this, you know, and, and here I am watching this movie and loving it. You know, I love seeing the um, the father from uh, Parasite on there. Um, you know, it opened my eyes to just like how, you know, the different dynamics of child trafficking in South Korea, you know, it was just like almost like a, a history lesson while watching this movie as well. Um, there were some humorous moments. I thought the characters were strong. Oh, the little, the little, strong. the little boy is, yeah, he I loved great. him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was great. Um, and also this movie was not predictable. Like I, I thought at the very end, something was going to happen that didn't happen. I mean, you're like basically, I don't want to spoil it, but basically I thought things were going to go a different way and it, and it completely caught me off guard. So yeah, um, it's a, it's a beautiful story. It's, it's a story where, 
um, you're seeing these individuals who all like need something. They're missing something from them from their lives and they all can kind of give that to each other. It was a really well-made movie and yeah, I gave it a tough war. Fantastic. Yeah, this is one I had on my radar for quite a while. And it's, I worry about them leaving the theaters and then me forgetting about them. And this one, I, I just could, I, I'd seen the trailer and I just could not get it out of my brain. So I kept looking for broker, kept looking for broker, saw that it was on VOD. And I was like, yes, I'm putting it on the list. I want to watch this. Cause sometimes if I don't put these movies on the list, I'm not going to watch them on my own. Like this oh, is the same. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what'd you think about the the newest Mandalorian episode, Joe? Oh, dude, we want to talk about like in that Scream review. I was saying Scream returned to form. Yeah, you know, I wasn't the hugest fan of the first episode of the Mandalorian in season three. Yeah, season two did it for me. Yeah, dude, or, or episode, two. episode two. Yeah, did it for me. Like yeah. that was fucking great. What a great adventure! <sighs> wow. And I'm also curious if at one time it ever existed as a single cut. Of a very long episode between one and two, um, they, there's just certain markers in there where it, it felt like it would have worked as a single episode if they would have cut certain stuff out. Um, but yeah, dude, episode two of season three was absolutely fantastic. Very exciting episode. Uh, some really wild shit that happened. I'm a huge fan of Bo-Katan from watching the Clone Wars, and I'm really excited to see the way that they're exploring that character and her motivations in live action. And Katie Sackhoff also is just wonderful playing it. Um, yeah. So uh, episode one, I think I gave it a high taste it of this season, but episode two is an absolute Tupperware. I really loved it. Yeah. I went from taste it to Tupperware and holy shit, the fucking reveal of the mythosaur at the end. Yes. Oh my God. Dude, how fucking big. I didn't know mythosaurs were that fucking Me big. Me either, dude. Oh my God. I mean, that thing was like fucking Godzilla big. It made the Balrog look like a baby. It did. Absolutely. Mm. And and it raised so many questions of, of what's to come in this season. And also, did you think that we'd be getting the minds of Mandalore in the second episode? That quickly, no. No, I thought that was going to be season finale shit. Yeah. And so it, it makes me very excited to what is their actual plan for this season? And also yeah. knowing... That that John Favreau has said in interviews that we don't have an end game with this. This is gun smoke. We're just we're just making exciting episodes of television. It really goes back into that that idea that 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 him and um Filoni. I'm blanking. What's what I, I can't believe Dave I'm Filoni? blanking on his name. Thank you, Dave Filoni. That him and Dave Filoni are just grown up kids in the sandbox, you know, playing with their Star Wars figures and mm-hmm. coming up with stories. And so I'm excited to know that it's like, hey, we're not we're not working towards we don't have some three, four season plan where we have an end game in sight. We're just giving you exciting stories. They're just and making so, Saturday morning cartoons. You know? That, that like, is 100 <laughs> percent what they're doing, Tristan. They're doing it yeah. in live action. And I'm yeah. very excited to to just think about where this season could go from here. I mean, because in this trio of characters that we have here between Bo-Katan, Din Djarin, and Grogu, we know that Grogu has this connection where he can reach out and touch animals. And there's this prophecy that a Mandalorian is going to come back out riding this mythosaur and herald in this new age of Mandalorians. And Grogu is a young Mandalorian. You know, despite where he's from, his origins, he's a foundling. He is a young Mandalorian and he has a connection with animals. And so we might see some really wild shit in the future 
with with Grogu. I mean, who knows? Maybe when he gets a little bit older, is he holding the dark saber and riding a mythosaur? <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> Holy shit! If they if they can make this, if they can do this in a way that it really earns yeah. something like that, and I truly believe now. There were some missteps in Book of Boba Fett, but I would like to believe that John Favreau and Dave Filoni learned from that, that they learned from the audience reaction to some of the bullshit, and it was bullshit, that they gave us in Book of Boba Fett, and and they're going to course correct and, and give us something that's earned because, dude, the pieces are all in place. They just need to earn it and give it to us, and it can be very exciting. So I've got very high hopes for The Mandalorian. I don't know how many seasons they're going to plan on going, but bets on this. Who watches who die? I, I'm i telling you, you got to think in order to pull the emotions out of us, either Grogu's going to watch Din Djarin die or Din Djarin's going to watch Grogu die. Dude, um, no way it's in gonna fucking be hell is watching Din. Yeah, Bob Iger is not going to kill Grogu. That's yeah, like their yeah. most Disney important IP of the last on... twenty years. Yeah, yeah. Disney will never sign off on the death of Grogu. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, Are you shitting me? <laughs> like, why don't we just shoot Mickey Mouse between the eyes while we're at it? Hey, I just hey, I thought it was I thought it was a good question. You know, no, it is, it is I just think that it's too big a business now. I think if this were solely in the domain of artists and writers, that's a, a valid question. But it's too big a business now. And I don't think these people who actually write the checks will yeah. allow that to happen. I just don't think I, I haven't heard a lot of people think I haven't heard a lot of people speculating down the road on that on that. And so it's like I wanted to throw the question out because I don't think people are thinking that far ahead sometimes. We're just going yeah. – we're yeah. going with the story. Oh, you know, and we're not thinking down the road. I'm thinking down the road, man, because something's got something's to give, man. Yeah, I'm thinking if this wasn't connected to Disney, then, yeah, he's dispensable. But, I mean, when I went to Disneyland and I saw all the fucking Grogu merchandise, I'm like, oh, yeah, this motherfucker's not going anywhere. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, I, I want to wear the T-shirt of the dead child. <laughs> <laughs> You don't see a lot of people wearing a T-shirt of the fucking dead youngling that Anakin slaughtered, you know. I mean, Mando, Mando should have put Grogu in the baby box. I want to. That's yeah. the shirt. That's the shirt that I want to wear is like the, the, the look of fear on that child's face from Revenge of the Sith. Like just that. That's the shirt that I want to wear when I go to fucking when I go to Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see that 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 kid that lung, that young kid the youngling uh, from that uh, met up with Hayden at like a convention yes. or something? They got their picture taken together. Yeah, I oh. saw that picture. I thought it was great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What do you think? Only, oh, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Jake. I was. Gonna, I've only seen the first episode of the new season of Mando so far. Um, I, I thought it was was pretty good, um, but I couldn't help walking away from it thinking that the armorer is going to be the final boss this season. I, that was I the felt same like, thought I had, Jake. I felt like that whole thing, it felt more cult-like than ever in that episode. And I, I mean, I feel like the narrative is telling us that that is not the way. And I think Din is going to come to that sooner or later. And I, I really feel like that character is probably going to uh, be facing off with Din by the end of the season. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's no way that they're going to keep Pedro Pascal's face hidden for the next few seasons. Like, he's going to keep taking his fucking helmet off. Uh, agreed. I, I think we're going to see I think we're going to see character development with both Bo-Katan and with Din Djarin because they're right now they're on opposite sides of the coin. And I think that after seeing the Mythosaur, 
I think that Bo-Katan is going to be start to be brought in a little bit. And I think the beginning of, of Din Djarin's faith in, in, in his sect with his children of the watch and what they believe, you know, this very black and white version of the creed. I think that that's starting to be shaken by the simple fact that when he first arrived on Mandalorian or on Mandalore, he was like this, you know, Bo-Katan was right. This place is not cursed. And he grew up since he was a child hearing that Mandalore is cursed because the people in power did not follow the creed. And that's why it's cursed. And he's like, well, this is already strike one against that. And I, th- I think it's not a stretch that when he comes back and he's able to tell this armor, Hey, I went and did what you said. You have to let me back in. I don't think they're going to want to let him back in because they are existing on dogma and he is now shaking that dogma. He's letting them know, no, you can in fact go back to Mandalore. It's not cursed. You can go down to the mines. Guess what? We also yeah. saw in the mines. We saw a mythosaur. All of a sudden now the entire power structure of this religion is now shaken. And the leadership of that is not going to allow it to happen. Yeah, I agree. A hundred percent, hundred percent. And, and yeah. hearing that they're in the mines already in episode two really kind of steeled that that's where we're heading with this thing. Like we got to, we got to get past that fast because that's not really the end goal here. Yeah. And and with the rise in popularity of Pedro Pascal, they they need to get his helmet off more and more. And also, did you see what he said about wearing that helmet? No. What did he say? He said, I can't see shit in that thing. If there was a hole right in front of me, I'd walk right into it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Episode two really picked it up for me because honestly, it's like – I. You know, we kind of complained last week about how much, you know, you know, you know, not complain. I guess. Yeah, a little bit. You know, we loved Andor and then we go back to this. And I felt like that's here's the thing. I, I just kind of get burnt out on the fetch quest of it all. You know, it, yeah. it just every week is just a fetch quest with Mandalore, you know, and, and just for some people, they love that. But for me, it just felt like every episode it was like, we got to get this one thing. And now we got to get something else. And like. You know, here's another thing that he got. And it's just and so I was kind of getting sick of the fetch quest of it all. And I think the second episode, uh, man, that mythosaur really got me pumped. (laughs) Oh, it turned it up to 11. (laughs) Yeah. Because if you are going to do a show like this where it is this adventure of the week type thing, you're going to have to elevate it after after seeing just how good Star Wars writing could be. Yeah. If you want to take it past all this fantastical stuff and you want to get down to the nitty gritty of what is the truly dramatic shit that is going on and Andor captured that perfectly and also with the with the, with the human story of it by having having three separate characters give three of the best monologues that have ever been done in Star Wars and have them all be done in the same show Andor traps some lightning in a bottle with doing that and then jumping right into the Mandalorian and that first episode all by itself, I still stand by it was, it was fine. Yeah. It wasn't mind blowing. It wasn't bad, Yeah, but it wasn't epic. And what's what episode two managed to do. It managed to move right the fuck into epic territory Mm -hmm. by promises of what's to come and literally what it's showing you on the screen right in front of you. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, it restored my faith in the Mandalorian and the fact that this IP of Star Wars is big enough to where we can have both of these types of storylines. We and, need and both I'm excited sides. About that. Oh, I we think we, do. we need variety. Yeah. Agreed. 
Yeah, there's well, valid that, criticism about that first episode. I, you guys talked a lot about how you know how much you like the Saturday morning cartoon feel of this show, and I think the the season premiere kind of broke that rule a little bit, and it felt like a it felt like a lot of setup, which was unusual for a Mando episode. I thought that's what led me to believe that that at one time episodes one and two were a single episode, because episode one just felt like so much. Episode one's not really that much better until you get to episode two and you realize what it was setting up. And then you realize with a little bit of clever editing between both episode one and episode two, you could easily splice these together into maybe a 90 minute introductory episode. Or if they wouldn't have fucked around and put the stuff that they did in book of Boba Fett, if they instead would have, I mean, granted, I'm glad we didn't have to wait so long to find out, but it's still even at the time when we saw that stuff in Book of Boba Fett, we all remarked about how odd it was that there's no Boba Fett in these episodes. In fact, these are episodes of the Mandalorian. This is Mandalorian season 2.5 for a couple yeah, episodes. I hated that previously on in that first episode. It was it was an odd choice to make to not show us any of the Book of Boba Fett stuff and to also like spoil that the Taika Waititi bot was going to come back. Like yeah. You can't like you can't say on. you can't say previously on the Mandalorian without it being stuff from previously on the Mandalorian because that shit was on Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, it, was just, I, it was just a bizarre choice. It was. I think that was an error on their part. And I hope they realized that because had, had, can you imagine if that fucking episode of Book of Boba Fett would have actually been the first episode of the of Mandalorian season three? It would have been amazing because it was fucking amazing in Book of Boba Fett. It's just that it was out of place there. I had to tell multiple people if that were fans of The Mandalorian and the Book of Boba Fett had been out for months. And I had to tell them like, oh, you haven't watched it? Well, in order to get caught up with what's going on with Grogu and Mando, you've got to watch those episodes. You know, so <laughs> it's more than cameos. It's like yeah. big time plot momentum. Yeah, that that entire what was it, episode five or whatever it was, that entire thing was a Mandalorian episode. That's how he has the ship that he's in now. It's how you how he gets Grogu back. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there's just so much meat in that that it is essential watching to understand where season three is going. I, I just feel like at the end of the day, that was a mistake. That should have been episode one of season three. Yeah. Time, you know, uh, release date be damned. Uh, let's talk about, uh, let's move on to, let's move on to Outlast. Um, this was, uh, this is on Netflix. It's a series, uh, 16 players split into four teams in the Alaskan wilderness where they must survive off the land with meager supplies. The players, described as lone wolf survivalists, must work in teams and are not allowed to play the game on their own. Players can leave the game by firing a flare gun, and the last team remaining wins $1 million. Uh, Jason Bateman is a producer on the show. I know that, Jake, you definitely made the connection with the title of the show because it's the, you know, with uh, Survivor, it's Outwit, Outplay, Outlast. It was like they're taking... (laughs) It's like they're just ripping that off of Survivor. I knew you caught that. Oh, yeah, I laughed. Um, But you've got uh, 16 different players, and they're in Alaska. And I'm not kidding you. Like, I I feel like like, what they're going through is no joke. Like, this is serious. Like, anything can happen. It's either the elements are going to get you, starvation's going to get you, 
you know, drinking bad water, eating bad food. Like there was one girl who hadn't taken a shit for 24 days that she was out there. And then, um, I don't know how I finished it. I finished all eight episodes. So I finished it today as a matter of fact, but Jake, I I think Jake is going to be the most critical because I think you're used to like, it'll be interesting what, what you thought about this because you're used to like the, the survivor show you're used to survivor and i don't know if this feels like as polished to you or if you just don't like the way the game's structured or maybe this was like different and you liked i don't i have no idea i want to know what you thought about outlast i have mixed feelings on it it's it's a middle of the road taste it for me um yeah the structure i didn't have a problem with i actually think the structure is probably the best thing the show has going for as far as the rules and what you have to do. And I do like the freedom that the contestants are given to interact with the other contestants. That's kind of unlike any reality show I'd ever seen. I think to me, um, the weakness of the show was the actual casting itself. I, I didn't, I didn't think they really got, maybe I need to watch more than two episodes, but I really didn't – I think Survivor does a much much better job of making me understand who these people are at the core and making me either be like – you know, have empathy towards that character or dislike that character or – I just felt – I felt everyone was very, very vanilla in this with, without much personality. Um, I also thought there was – this was like the widest reality show I've seen in a long time too. Like there's – if they tried to be diverse, only one person that wasn't white agreed to do this crazy ass shit. And I thought watching so much reality TV in the last 10 years, that really stood out to me, um, the lack of diversity in this reality show. But I, I thought it was an interesting concept, interesting rules, and I would be willing to finish out this season and potentially watch more if the casting department could do a better job. How many episodes did you get? I watched two. Yeah, I think you need to get into – I think you would start to enjoy it a lot more once they start getting into like episodes four and five, like when they start sabotaging each other's camps and they start stealing from each other and people start to, you know, switch over and go into different teams and – yeah, that's that kind of stuff, like because they kind of after the first episode, they kind of give you a series overview and that that kind of stuff intrigued me. And I did like the second episode more than the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I one more thing I had in my notes is I thought the, the production would have been a better if it was a bit more less is more. I thought that was way too much like every time they showed all the things that they got to bring with them and you heard all the like anime noises for each thing popping up. And I thought that stuff was extremely distracting when they had such, such like beautiful vistas and scenery and cameras at work. You don't need all the every time you're introducing something. I thought they went way overboard with that kind of post-production. I kind of like flip flopped on like certain people that I liked and didn't like in this show. Like I didn't, I thought Javier was very knowledgeable, which I thought was very cool. Uh, but I didn't like his attitude towards his team. They said they didn't know about one. He's like, you don't know what that is. And he laughs at them. And it's like, you know, I didn't think that that's good qualities in a leader to laugh at your team just because they don't have as much knowledge as you. I mean, just 
you know, kind of be humble and share that knowledge. I mean, you don't have to be pompous. But as the series went along and I spent more time with Javier, I I liked him a lot more. So it's wild to see like who I liked at the beginning turning into villains and then the people I didn't like at the beginning turning into more of like, you know, heroes in the show that I did like. And so uh, I like the evolution of it. I I give it a Tupperware. I I finished all eight episodes. I couldn't put it down. Um, And I I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, Joe... I'm surprised you weren't a contestant on the show, but uh, what I, I will say on paper, like this show is made for me <laughs> and like it's, it's right in the same vein as alone, which, which I think might've been a history channel show. Um, and, and it's the same concept where all these different people are dropped off in this same area of the wilderness. And they're just told, Hey, whoever makes it the longest is the winner here. Um, and this one is essentially that same thing, only you have to be part of a team to be able to keep competing. And the 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 spot where this show loses me, and I'm sure it's where it's it's really the hook on the show. And it's probably for people who are really big fans of reality television. It's probably the thing that is the most exciting to them. But for me, it was the thing that was the most depressing is the whole sabotaging other people's camps and having that be okay as part of the rules and that essentially they're paying these people to engage in the what i think is some of the worst qualities of humanity that instead of because in 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 reality if 16 strangers were all of a sudden stranded in a this is subarctic alaska so it's in southern alaska it's a portion of alaska where it's a rainforest And so it's not the sort of Alaska that you think of with, you know, polar bears and lots of snow and ice. This is this is much more like Alaska that would be similar to something like the Pacific Northwest, where it's very thick woods. It's going to rain a lot. They say in the first episode, it's not uncommon for a rainstorm to last for five days. And if 16 people were dropped off into that, their best chance of survival is going to be to take stock amongst each other, figure out who's strengths are where and then work all together as a group and instead it's four different groups to start with and going forward these groups are going to be allowed to sabotage each other in fact people can leave one group and go and join another the only rule in this is you just got to be part of a group and so for me i did this math in my head and i'm like wow they're essentially paying people to engage in the worst parts of of humanity and so for me i couldn't shake that and and it made me really, really dislike the entire concept of the show. And so for something that I went into so excited because I, I grew up playing out in the woods. Like my mom and dad bought a, a, a cabin out in rural Iowa when I was three years old. And when we would go out there, there wasn't any friends around. I had to go and entertain myself out in the woods. My dad was a hunter. He taught me how game moves in the woods and stuff. And so I would go out and have my own little adventures in the woods. Now I'm not saying I could go up in subatlantic Arctica and survive. I think I would be, do better than the average person. Probably wouldn't do near as good as these people who are actual survivalists, because uh, when it comes down to it, I got a real aversion to suffering. I find out and to get through a, a thing like this. There's, there's going to be a lot of endurance. And yeah, we, we can barely get you to watch a drama, let alone. <laughs> 
Yeah, right, right. <laughs> but it's curious that when you fucking drag me through some of those, I absolutely love them. It, it really should be a, an indicator to me that I need to grow as a person and accept this part of myself that that I do love feeling human emotions. But goddamn, do I put up a resistance to it sometimes? Um, but I, I was, I was definitely in my emotions watching this. Um, I watched the first episode and just threw a, a whole bunch of it, like. In, and, and I'm, I also I don't watch a lot of reality television. It's not my favorite genre of entertainment. I, I feel like the trashier and more ridiculous and over the top it gets, the more I like it, because the more I can look at those characters as cartoon characters like Brian, you and I have talked a lot about our shared love of like, you know, like um, what was it like Rock of Love? Yeah. Tool Academy. Like that. <laughs> You know, where like that stuff's fun because yeah. for me, I'm looking at like, oh, these are just these are people who are, you know, in their young 20s that, that haven't learned these lessons yet. And we can watch them be shitbags on TV and it's entertaining. But for this show, it's like, hey, do you want to watch people be petty and bitch about stuff and argue in the woods? This is the show for you. <laughs> and and the way that the reality TV is structured, where the first episode, it starts and ends with essentially giving you a trailer of what's to come. And so in the introductory scenes of this, when it's showing you what's to come in this season, and I, I'm realizing that, oh, part of this is going to be some legit Lord of the Flies shit, where these people are out and there's no rules. You can fuck with each other's campsites. But, well, okay, they're giving you a bow and arrows. Can you stand up in a tree and just wait for somebody to come in and fuck with the <laughs> campsite and then put a few fucking arrows in them because that's the way it would go in real life. And you know what? It's fucking tragic that that's the way it would go in real life. But this is a game show where we're going to fucking pay you and reward you if you can get as close to that line as possible without actually murdering each other in this location, this locale where it is so difficult to survive. And also the balls of this production company to put 16 people in the most dense fucking population of brown bears brown yeah. bears oh, are God, fucking yeah. dangerous dude it's essentially a fucking polar bear that's brown it's they saw one did you get to the episode where they saw one out in the open no no I, I i only watched the first episode on this and and part of it could have been the fact that i was getting over a cold i'm a tremendous fucking bitch when i'm when i'm sick and I, I maybe I was feeling the same level of hate with this that I was when I watched Triangle of Sadness. I just could not get into this show. Like I watched it with a frown on my face the entire time, hating every single character. I'm like Jill from Kentucky, but like talking everybody into building a shelter on the side of a fucking hill. Like, that's too, a good idea. She's awful. And then the next fucking episode, they're all looking for another episode or the the end of that first episode. They're looking for a new place to build a camp on the next day instead of finding clean water instead of doing all this other stuff and she's like well i refuse to take ex responsibility for this i'm like damn you're a horrible person and then javier being a total douchebag to everybody on his team where it's like dude yeah congrats you have a lot of skills for that in the outdoors why don't you be a teacher yeah why don't you like kindness costs nothing and i think that in life so many people forget that kindness costs nothing and being a fucking twat to people does nothing to foster friendship. And I feel, and so like, I feel me, like Joe's like, I feel like Joe's calling me out right now. <laughs> <laughs> dude, Seriously. here's the thing though, dude. Like every like 
if I go, if I like rewind the clock back on when you and I first started chatting and I was just messaging the pop culture leftovers thing and, you know, chatting with you about shit, you were never once a fucking dick to me for being a dick, you know, just for the sake of being a dick. Like that never once happened. So there, there might be listeners out there that think, and I'm sure there are listeners out there that think Brian's a dick, but hey, you're fucking wrong because you, you're not. You're, you're, you are a fucking good guy. And you got a good heart. And, <laughs> and, and and I know reality TV is filmed in such a way yeah. that, you know, reality is in heavy quotations. This is edited by producers. They have a story that they want to tell. They have villains that they need to create. And they film enough footage to where they can tell whatever story they want to tell. And I don't know. For me, I'm just not the biggest fan of reality television. And, and I was just disappointed in in that i i just didn't like the direction they were taking this that it's like we're going to reward you for being pieces of shit but that's entertaining to some people out there and so you know whatever for me this was a toss it but i absolutely understand how how other people can can love things like this and really get into it and separate themselves from the humanity and just look at it of as you know oh, this is just a show it's a competition whatever I probably just think far too deep of thoughts of this, and I probably wasn't in the best frame of mind when I watched it as well. I see the on the the, uh, the clips of like what's to come in the upcoming episodes. That's what hooked me. I was like, I can't wait to see this fucking train wreck of a fucking show. <laughs> see, it had me spitting. Nails. See, that's the thing. No, that's the thing. Here's so the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. This show, it's their first season. And so these people, they don't know how it's going to be edited. They don't know how they're going to look, how the show's going to make them look. And so, like, if they go that villain route, it might not be as glamorized as, like, watching, like, uh, a Survivor. Because on Survivor, there's a lot of people, like, that are considered villains on that show, but they still have, like, a healthy fan base because of how they did it. You would agree with that, right, Jake? Oh, yeah, for sure. For yeah. Sure. This Unless show. Something, like, they've had some people do truly villainous things yeah. where they don't have fans. But for the most part, the villains are celebrated on Survivor. Yeah, you can, you know, and here's the thing. At the at the end of the day, these people can talk about integrity and all this stuff. And that's their choice. But it is a fucking game and it is for a million dollars. And they are going into this game like they can make that choice. It's like when you play an I know this is real people and doing real things, but like when you play a video game, I know it's different, but like a role playing game, you can choose to be a hero or a villain. And some of these people, when they go into this game, they're like, I'm going to do everything I can to outlast. And if that means me fucking being a villain and doing villainous things, and if I can live with that, then that's that's what they're going to do. And, like, I'm not rooting for the villains in this show. And Javier, like you said, turned, he was a dickhead in that first episode. I ended up loving Javier by the end of this thing. Um, and then there's players that I absolutely hated. Um, and it did make – there's parts in this where these people that are doing these malicious things are just making me so angry. And um, it was their choice to do what they did. And it's also my choice as the viewer to absolutely be disgusted by what they're doing. But it's what kept me watching, Joe. It's what kept me watching. Not gonna lie, man. I like to watch the I like to watch the train wreck. It's a but uh Tristan, what did you think about Outlast? Yeah, like similar to Joe, I'm not very huge on reality TV. Um 
I just got burnt out on it in the first 10 years of the millennium. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was watching this. I only saw the first three episodes and I, I found myself liking it more and more each episode, the more I got into it. And um, I liked the spin of how you have to finish in a group. But, you know, similar to Joe, I was wondering, like, what are the limits as far as the rules are concerned? Because if you're able to, you know, commit arson or like damage someone's property, like if there's truly no rules, like why can't you just fucking, you know, kidnap somebody or tie them up or or fucking kill them, you know? Um, so like I was wondering kind of what are the limits here? Um, I felt the danger of the climate. Like I really felt like, you know, this is a place I don't want to be. You know, I felt how cold they were. I felt, you know, um, the, the hunger that they're feeling. It made me appreciate the comfort that I had in my own home. And, you know, I, I, um, I wish they did go a little bit more into their background. Like Jake was saying, you know, as far as, uh, us getting to know these people more than just the fact that they're from a certain state and have a certain job. Um, I don't think they set them up very well. Um, and they were just all basically bodies and, and their personalities and everything just came out over the episodes. Um, yeah, I, I, I gave it a high taste because I was getting more and more into it the more I watched it. And I want to, I want to continue watching yeah, there's this guy, what's his name? Jordan, he's on Team Delta, and uh, he's doing a challenge. They, they had to build rafts, and they had to try to get these crab pots um, that were on <laughs> yeah. this island. And this guy, just a fucking, because he got his raft out there first, and he's in the lead, he is basically, he's doing push-ups on his raft and burning <laughs> burning calories and just showing off and it's like, man, that guy pissed me off so much. <laughs> then he missed his exit on the freeway. Yes. <laughs> it's yeah, like, serve, serves you right, dude. He, <laughs> he, yeah. But uh, I'm enjoying it. It's called Outlast. It's on Netflix. And um, so check that out. Last thing that we got in Good Pop, Bad Pop is a show uh, that dropped on Hulu. I was excited to see this one because it's uh, led by Kerry Washington and Delroy Lindo, both of whom I enjoy. And um, it's uh, straight off a 17-year stint in federal prison. Edwin Alexander crashes back into the lives of his daughter, Paige, and her teenage son, Finn, just as Paige is attempting to achieve her lifelong dream of buying her own home. Uh, it was created by Tracy McMillan, starring Kerry Washington and Delroy Lindo. I've only got to watch an episode and a half, and um, I think that that's at my detriment because I didn't really get sucked into this until like the very end scene of the first episode, and then starting the second episode and like listening to like Delroy Lindo, who spent the last seventeen years in prison, um, talking about his daughter's relationship and like how she's the side woman and how like you <laughs> the whole conversation about like how you don't lie to the side woman and yes. how you tell like you know the, the like your main woman your the 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 woman that you're really in the relationship with you lie to her because you don't want her to know i was just like oh my god i was laughing so hard i was like i've got to continue to watch this show and then we had to start the up uh, had to start recording so it really sucked me in so it's really hard for me to rate this one right now because i think it'll end up being a tupperware but from the first episode the pilot episode i'm going to give it a high taste it and i really feel like going into the second episode i was really starting to like enjoy the show a lot more 
Um, but I want to know what you guys thought. I can't wait to get back to it. And they dropped all the episodes. It's not a week to week thing. I think they dropped them all because I checked on IMDb and they dropped them all. They did. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, Jake, tell us a little bit about Unprisoned and what you thought about it. Yeah, I, I thought I thought it was a bit of a, a clunky pilot, but yeah. then the second and the third episodes were a lot better. Um, it just it was a little bit out the gate and had a hard time getting the characters in the places they needed to be to have situations that were a lot more interesting after that first episode. I, I think a lot of the humor in the first episode revolved around what her father character who had just gotten out of federal prison did and didn't know with what was going on during the times when he was in prison. And a lot of that felt like really not good dated comedy. And once the show kind of moved away a bit more from that and still used that a little bit, but involved it more with the family dynamics, I thought it got a lot better. So if they could have moved the three central characters together quicker, I think it would have been a stronger start for this show. But I, I agree. I, I, it's eight episodes. They're all less than a half an hour. It's a, it's a pretty easy breezy watch. I mean, there's definitely some heavy topics, but it never gets, too heavy where you couldn't watch this before going to bed or something. Um, strong cast. They, they have great chemistry together. I thought this was a pretty good show. I, I'm going to give it a high taste it, even though I was almost borderline toss it after the first episode. Yeah. I think the only thing that sucked me in was like that final scene in that first episode where he's just like, you know, he's got his bag and he's standing there in front of her. I was just like, man, this has got some heart to it. I can't wait to see. What goes on the a lot, a lot of the jokes in that first episode were just so cheap and been there, done that. And yeah. I thought it really took to get past that before you saw the show really shine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. It just got me so excited just the way he was talking to her son in the second one. I was just like, this guy is <laughs> throwing this guy into the mix of this family unit right now after 17 years in prison. This is going to this is going to there's going to be some funny conversations. I can't wait to continue with this. Um, Joe, what did you think about Unprisoned? I'm I'm right in the same vibe as as Jake on this one. the The first episode did not do it for me at all, and I wanted to keep watching it just because of the strength of the actors who are in it. I mean, Carrie Washington, I I almost always like her and what she's doing. She's a fucking great actor, and Delroy Lindo. I mean, oh my god, are you kidding? Um, so just knowing that these two are in this. And and also, I mean, that, that glimpse of Brenda Strong that we get in this for sixty two, damn, holy mm-hmm. shit, right? Yeah, oh my God, like wow, woo. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, uh, you know, I uh, th- th- she's my Martha Stewart, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, you found your Martha Stewart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but Mar- Mar- Martha is like fucking like eighty something. Jesus, oh, twenty years older than Brenda Strong probably looks just like that. <laughs> I'm really picturing it. Um, <laughs> uh, stay but, focused. Yes, <laughs> stay on target. Um, oh, man, one of these yeah. days I would love to be the centerpiece on Martha's table. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, Martha. <laughs> oh geez uh the majority of this first episode though i i just really wasn't feeling it from from the start when carrie washington's character is is getting pressured to have her father come and live with her and and her teenage son and and, and she's a single mother 
and she's listing off all the times that, you know, hey, my father is has promised that that he's on the straight and narrow. And she lists off all these different years throughout her life. And so I was 100 percent on her side saying, you know, how dare this social worker guy pressure her into disrupting her life for the benefit of her father, who is clearly a piece of shit, no matter how charming Delroy Lindo is like clearly a piece of shit. But, dude, you, you nailed it. The way that this first episode ends with him standing at the door with with like his bag and his metaphorical hat in his hand, mm-hmm. it, 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 it went from being this is probably going to be a toss and I don't like this at all to, oh, this is a taste it. I'm I'm very curious and just the strength of the actors they have cast in this. I can't just leave this at one episode. And so I watched the next episode and episode two is there's so much heart in episode two that I, I feel like this show is going to be one of those snowball shows where each episode I, I'm going to get more and more attached to these characters. I've only I only had time to watch two episodes so far. But that second episode absolutely turned me around. So far, I'm at a I'm at a high tasted on this show, and I I think that just with what they've set up in the second episode, I, I think that this has the potential to be a Tupperware by the time it's said and done. Um, well, I mean, I I know I keep saying the strength of the actors involved, but Kerry Washington and Delroy Lindo leading this is really really great. The the only thing so far that is. I've kind of got misgivings of at this point is is when the fourth wall break happens and all of a sudden she's a little kid and she's describing it, you know, and it's it's a little kid on the screen yeah. describing these very adult scenes. That's not working for me quite yet, but who knows what the future holds? I, I'm I was uh, surprised to see that Hulu dropped this all at once, but I think this is one that I'm going to continue chipping away at because I think there's a lot of potential in it and. It's not often that a show has such a has a pilot that that I'm so not in on until literally like the last like 30 seconds of the episode or so. And and then the second episode turns it around for me so much. And so just on the strength of the the actors that are involved and what it was able to do between episodes one and two, it it, it made it a high taste it for me. And I'm I am willing to continue this and, and see where it's going to go because I got high hopes for it. Yeah, goddamn Delroy Lindo, he keeps me watching. I loved him in The Five Bloods. I thought he was oh, yeah. just <laughs> phenomenal in that movie. So it's like, you know. He's so good. He's very good. He, and he's, he's good in almost everything he does. I, I really liked him in, I think last year we had The Harder They Fall. Yeah. I really enjoyed him, mm-hmm. him as the, the, I think he was the lawman in that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, really enjoying him in this as well. The, the guy just exudes charisma. You know, he's you know? he's 70. Can you believe he's 70? Holy shit. Yeah. I wouldn't have guessed he was 70. Yeah, I would have thought 60. Um, I, I love that scene in, in the supermarket, too. He's got yes. that woman yes. who's like totally into it. And then Kerry Washington comes in and just cock blocks him in the harshest way possible. It's so funny. Yeah. He's like, I think I'm going to have to go shopping without you in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Tristan, what did you think about Unprisoned? Yeah, so I fucked up because um, I thought there was only one episode of this. I don't know if I was just thinking because it's Hulu, there wasn't another episode. Uh. It didn't immediately play after that. So I only watched the pilot. And um, similar to you guys, like I wasn't really feeling the pilot until um, the second, maybe like the last 10 minutes of it. Because at first I was like thinking, okay, this is a 30-minute show. 
it's supposed to be like a comedy, but it's not really funny. And it's like a drama and then there's nudity. And I'm like, okay, what the fuck is this supposed to be? And, and I just wasn't like really grasping what the show was trying to give you until um, the very last scene. Like that was the one that really made me like, kind of feel like, okay, this has some heart. Um, I need to watch the next episode, but yeah, like I love Delroy and Lindo. Um, I loved them in the five bloods. I thought I was so um, upset that he didn't get the nomination for best actor that year, because I thought that was one of the best male performances of the year um, when that movie came out. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a pilot that I felt like didn't work until it did work at the very end. And so, yeah, it's a middle of the road taste for me based on the pilot. Yeah, it's one of those where I think once you get into the second episode and like hearing Jake enjoying the second and third episode a lot more, same with Joe, gives me high hopes for the series. I I hope this is uh I hope it turns into that Tupperware you were talking about, Joe. Man, like he he's laying right next to me over here on a, on a cat tower. <laughs> and I he's almost snoring. He's almost to the point where he's snoring. He's adorable. Anyway. Aw, that's so sweet. Yeah. I just want to listen to him breathe. I'm sorry. <laughs> he's so cute. I want to pet ASMR. Yeah, he's like, oh, now he's twitching. He's yeah, he's twitching a little bit. I love the twitchies. Man, he looks so cute. Sometimes like, when they're sleeping, they look so cute, and I just want to pet him, but I know I'll startle him if I do, you know? So I'm just going to mm-hmm. I'll let the little dude sleep. But, um, yeah, let's, uh, let's take a break. Uh, I'm out of water. I need more water. Need more aqua? Need My cat is begging me to feed it. There you go. Let's take a <laughs> quick. You go. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. We are Venom, and if you don't join the Pop Culture Leftovers Patreon, we will eat both of your arms and then both of your legs, and then we will eat your face right off your head. You will be this armless, legless, faceless thing, won't you? Rolling down the street like a turd in the wind. Head over to Patreon.com. Enjoy now for only six dollars a month. All right, hey, we're back. It is now time for the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news, and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. All right, I, I, I didn't know where to put this one because it's both marvel and star wars news so i just said fuck it and i put it here it's from deadline uh disney being very careful with star wars movie development uh ceo bob Iger says marvel brand quote not inherently off uh but quote do you need a third or fourth sequel for every character um also talks about star wars here uh, article says with marvel he said there are seven thousand characters there are a lot more stories to tell what we have to look at marvel is not necessarily the volume of marvel stories we're telling but how many times we go back to the well on certain characters uh sequels typically work well for us do you need a third and a fourth for instance or is it time to turn to other characters what you, you know th- what? When, when I heard that, yeah. I, I, I disagreed with Bob Iger a little bit because I feel that that was the problem with Phase 4 is that it's, there, it's all about just introducing more and more people. Now there's a hundred fucking superheroes and we don't really care about any of them because we're not sitting with them. I feel that they should really just pick really good characters that we sit with and that we do revisit rather than just try to make a movie for all 7,000 characters. That's interesting. 
I, I think that's a really valid point, Chris or Tristan, because when when we got to that culmination of Endgame, it was because we had spent so much time with these characters, and that's why Tony's sacrifice meant so much, and that's why Cap's happy ending meant so much, and and why the stakes were there is because we had spent enough time with these movies, and I feel like Phase Four was far too spread out to where we really didn't get a we didn't forge a meaningful character meaningful relationship with too many of these characters. Like I, I feel like of all the, the first characters we were introduced to, I think Shang-Chi made the biggest splash with me, but he also probably had the most heartfelt movie with this intimate story that it told between him and his father and, and why this relationship is the way it is and not very many other movies and shows in phase four were able to accomplish that. I've been saying this for months now. That it's like it's the the world's gotten too big that we can't we haven't spent enough time with these characters and we don't care. And then by the time we get to like our next Avengers like endgame movie being Secret Wars, is it gonna be able to live up to what phases one through three did because of the more intimate relationships that I think audiences had over the course of that decade of watching these characters. I don't think so. I don't, I don't think, I don't think, I don't know if, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like Secret Wars is going to rest on cameos and bringing in characters from the multiverse, like oohs and ahs, and maybe somebody will die. I don't know. But and really, they've got that much time between here and now to make us care more about some of these initial character or these phase four characters that they've introduced us to. Yeah. Otherwise, kind of I think recipe. you're absolutely right. That's a bit of a recipe for disappointment, too. If you're building up to just like, what are you going to bring back? Uh, there was a little bit of that backlash with uh, Doctor Strange 2 with the who's going to be in the Illuminati. And it feels like there's a potential for secret wars to have a little bit of the same kind of effect going on where people care more about the, what are they going to do than the actual plot beats of the movie? I mean, is it just going to rest on the fact that we're getting a scene of, you know, Hugh Jackman, Wolverine with, you know, Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man, those two interacting for the first time. Trust me, that sounds fucking awesome. But on the flip side, like I also, really was brought into phase three with that emotional impact of, you know, Tony sacrificing himself. The whole, like, I love you 3000 of it all. The whole, like, you know, his daughter saying she wants cheeseburgers at the end of the movie, making me tear up again. Like, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I feel like is, is that, is secret wars just going to be, like cameo after cameo of oh my god look who they're bringing over from you know we I I I remember that movie I remember that 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 actor playing that character I oh I remember Halle Berry Storm I remember Nick Cage Ghost Rider I remember this I remember that how cool how cool is that what it's going to rest on or are they going to is it going to have that emotional impact I mean are they going to kill Thor is that what they have to do at this point to get us to care um I don't know. It's just, yeah, 
I um I do agree that not everyone needs a trilogy. Like that's definitely apparent. Like we don't need three Eternals, obviously. But it's like <laughs> yeah, it's like I feel like um it's problematic when he says we have seven thousand characters. It's like okay, it's the MCU. We don't need to see seven thousand characters. Like you don't need to keep introducing people. Like every franchise has three or four superheroes in it. And it used to just be Iron Man. You know, it's like it's it's like everyone has superpowers now in the MCU. And I don't feel like they need to just because you have the IP and access to it, you don't need to introduce everyone. You just need to be selective with who you introduce. Yeah, Yeah, I agree with that because they need to introduce the characters that an audience is actually going to connect to and want to see over and over again the way we did with Tony and Cap and in all those original characters. We looked forward to seeing them in another movie like when we got Captain America three and it was essentially Avengers two and a half. That was fucking exciting to get all these characters on this on the screen together. Granted, we got a couple new ones in there, but the exciting part was seeing all the old ones come back into it again as well. And with these newly drawn lines with them fighting against each other, we cared because we had gone on stories with these characters and we had seen them grow and we understood how they meshed together and the the conflict that came between them made sense. And if they're not able to do that, if, if they're just going to keep throwing new stuff at us, these these films don't work without heart. Endgame was so impactful because we were attached to these characters and so the film had a lot of heart with it. Yeah, I see a problem with Secret Wars being that if they're just having all these, you know, dozens of introductions of new characters, it's not going to have the same effect as Endgame because, you know, I I can imagine the theater, you know, someone coming, let's say, out the um, metaphorical portal, you know, and just saying, like, who the fuck is that? You know, because they didn't watch that series. You know, they didn't watch that movie. They didn't watch that TV show. Uh, Iger also talked about, uh, oh yeah, they say Iger didn't get specific, but his comments came less than three weeks after the release of the MCU's entry of Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania. The third Ant-Man film has grossed more than $450 million globally, but drew tepid response from the critics and posted a 69% second week and drop in the U S the steepest by any MCU title to date. Uh, he said, quote, there's nothing in any way inherently off in terms of the Marvel brand. I think we just have to look at what characters and stories we're mining. If you look at the trajectory of Marvel in the next five years, there will be a lot of newness. We're going back. We're going to turn back to the Avengers franchise with a whole new set of Avengers, for example. So he's saying uh, all new Avengers. So... I don't know. You guys, I don't know. Do you think my Iger can turn this around? Uh, I think the Avengers movies are going to be the litmus test for it, for sure. I mean, all eyes are going to be on those movies. I think like it's definitely a blow to have Quantumania not do what's expected, but it's going to be a bigger blow to have like the event movie have this kind of effect. I, I think it all rests on the shoulders of the writers. And, and, and I think that I, as much as I liked quantum mania, it could have been so much better. They, they could have done more to give that movie more heart. They could have done more to give that movie more consequences. And instead they went with the safe, happy ending, which did work for me. But if I really think about it, 
a, a, a less happy ending and a more consequence filled ending would have been better. And it would have set us up more going into the future on this. And so I think this really rests on the shoulders of the writers because the only way this new Avengers movie is going to work is if we care about these characters, because if we don't care about them going in, it's not going to have the same impact and whether they like it or not going forward, these Avengers movies are going to suffer by comparison to the greatness of infinity war and Endgame. I really wonder how audiences are going to respond to Kamala Khan in uh, the Marvels, if they haven't watched the Ms. Marvel series. Um, I feel like she's very talented to where she's going to win people over. (laughs) I I agree. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I I enjoyed her. I thought she was great. Um, It'll just be interesting to see. Uh, I've heard that that the Marvels was supposed to come out before Quantum Mania. I've heard that they're not happy with it. So, oh. so um, I don't know. I mean, I've been seeing, uh, I've been hearing a lot of rumors, a lot, a lot of rumors that, you know, Brie Larson was hard to work with. And I heard that that's not true and that she wasn't happy with the production. I, and I've also heard that that's not true. Um, but um, I do. I hope they're just giving the CGI artists enough time to do what they need to do yeah. and make it look like an MCU movie should look like if it's on the big screen. Because as much heart as Miss Marvel had in it, the CGI in it sucked. And 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 knowing what we know now about the way that Marvel works with these these uh, VFX communities and not giving them enough time, constantly changing shit. I hope that all that coming to light righted the ship for them and and that's what this is about because a movie like the marvels like it's gonna be very heavily cgi and if they're gonna do it on the big screen they gotta make it look good because i'm not saying everything in miss marvel looked like shit but there was enough of it that looked like hot shit that i was like ugh, like that almost impacts my rating on some of the episodes like the vfx like it it was like playstation 2 level (laughs) not good not good for an mcu outing yeah, I'm really fearful for the Marvels, and I really want it to do well because I I just don't want them to give a, the trolls a reason to just talk shit for the next five years mm-hmm. about these female oh, characters. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. It's already going to be starting off at, at a disadvantage just because there's dick bags on the internet. They're going to talk shit for no reason. I also read today that Kristen Ritter's not returning for Daredevil: Born Again, but it, they're, oh, but wow. they're saying not to count her out as to not returning at all. So I was really looking forward to that. I was looking forward to seeing her back. As Agreed. Jessica. I can't picture anybody else playing that character. Yeah. I think she'll be back, but it's really, I'm, I'm, you know, I guess I'm upset that I'm just hearing that she's not going to be returning in born again. It would have been nice to see her pop up somewhere, even if it was just, you know, just a tease for something like a future project uh, with her. I thought that that would have been nice, 
to see. I mean, yeah, they're doing what, 18 episodes? They don't need a private eye in any one of those that could sneak into an episode or two? Yeah, and he's got the connection. I, I, I really would have loved to seen her pop up somewhere. He also talked about Star Wars. Uh, he says, as far as Star Wars, Iger said, disappointing box office returns in 2018 for Solo. Uh, one of two standalone films integrated among the three saga installments gave us pause in terms of the feature pipeline. Uh, executives determined that maybe the cadence was a little too aggressive, he added. Uh, Disney is developing Star Wars films, Iger continued, but we're going to make sure when we make one, it's the right one. So we're being very careful there. We do have Star Wars news about some projects they did cancel, so we'll talk about those later. But... Um, you know, uh, I mean, I don't think a, a lot of statements that I've made and Jake has made and Joe has made, Tristan's made uh, on the show and, and Stephanie as well. She she was starting to feel like the Marvel fatigue. And and I I feel like a lot of those statements we were, we've been making for quite a long time. And I think like we were kind of like on the pulse of this before they even realized that this was happening. Like it's starting to catch up with them. And I think Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania made them realize that, wow, we're, it's a lot of output and it's, and it's not at the quality of where we've been. It just felt like, I don't know. It just feels less special. And I think the audiences are feeling that too. Yeah. I think they relied on the fact that the Marvel studios brand is just going to guarantee success and it's getting to the point now where people are just, you know, almost like with comic books, you know, we're picking and choosing what we want to see. Yeah. And we're just, oh, I'll just wait for it to hit Disney Plus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're not doing themselves any favors with that that quick release on Disney Plus schedule. I hope movies like, you know, uh, Maverick kind of like made them, you know, a little worried like whoa we don't own the box office necessarily you know <laughs> yeah people will come out to see something yeah. else that's epic that's not superhero related yeah yeah uh news from dark horizons uh love lovecraft country joe you sent this to me lovecraft country and future mcu big bad jonathan majors is in early talks to play uh infamous nba player dennis rodman in 48 hours in Vegas for Lionsgate, uh. the film will deal with <laughs> will will deal with Rodman's legendary 48 hour party bender in Las Vegas in 1998 during the NBA Finals. Back when he was a star <laughs> player, that's an amazing concept. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Dude, that film could be bonkers. Yeah, and that motherfucker went and partied and came back and played his art out. Yeah, he did, and he needed it, like that, like. Yeah, he asked his coach, Phil Jackson, if he could take a 48-hour vacation in Vegas in the middle of the NBA Finals against the uh, the Utah Jazz. Jackson consented, and a sports legend was born with this movie set to take its own path with the story. Uh, the film will follow Rodman and his anxious assistant GM as they develop an unexpected friendship amid the players' Sin City revelry. Uh, Jordan Vandina... Uh, penned the screenplay he did the binge while the mitchell mitchells versus the machines and spider-man into the spider-verse producers bill lord and chris miller will produce nice uh yeah this is fucking on the top of my list if it's true yeah man (laughs) yeah dude 
Oh yeah. God! I mean, this is like something that this is like a sports movie that everyone would love. <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, it has the potential to be right. I mean, this could be like crossover between like a sports movie and like The Hangover or something like that. I mean, it's. I, I remember when I sent you that, Brian. I was saying that the 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 only thing I was a little bit scratching my head about was, is this going to be okay coming from the guy who did the binge? But I mean, like that's really what he did when he went to Vegas was just partied nonstop to to I guess quell his nerves or or whatever he needed to do and so maybe this is the right guy for the job yeah but Jonathan Majors in that role I I think they could be really really excited like dye that dude's hair and let's see him you know the piercings the tats yeah yes yeah he could pull it off man yeah and with (laughs) Phil Lord and Chris Miller like this, this is really exciting like it I, I I hope this comes through because on paper it's it is very exciting. Was he dating Car- was he dating Carmen Electra during that time? I think so. Yeah. Um, I wasn't she, was she might have been with him um, during that. I can't remember. I'm looking. Yeah, it up. De- yeah, I think he was dating her during that time. Yeah, he was. Uh, Dennis Rodman and Carmen Electra started dating in 1998. Amid his final season with the Chicago Bulls, a couple married in November that year, but Robin filed for annulment just nine days later. So we might get somebody playing Carmen Electra in that movie if they want to. <laughs> like that could be like phone calls that he has with Carmen. I don't know. They, this this could this could be a lot of fun. Uh, it could be like the it could be like the Hangover meets Dennis Rodman or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it'd be yeah, a great I, tribute to his legacy too, because I mean, he was so unique, and and like this is a guy who can go and party and 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 have his best game afterwards. Yeah, it's like it's so unique. He said he needed it. I mean, he needed to like you know go out there and cut loose, and we know that he was like he is. He's an epic party boy. Like he loves to fucking party. He loves to drink. He like he likes to get in some shit. So yeah, and Phil Jackson understood him enough to say like, yeah, yeah, you do need it. <laughs> man, Phil had to Phil had to fucking drive him to practice. Man, I remember like oh yeah, Dennis didn't like to go to practice, and Phil had to fucking pick him up. Phil would never do that for anybody else, but Phil picked him up and took him to practice (laughs) i loved all the dennis rodman stuff in the last dance yes and and i'm pretty sure carmen electra was in that talking about how during that 48 hours in vegas thing she was like i you know i had no idea that people were kind of looking for him as part of this and worried about him she's like i'm pretty sure that was part of that i gotta go back and rewatch that again i think it's been about a year now since i've watched it yeah fantastic doc series yeah it's so good so yeah i'm looking forward to that man jonathan majors as uh the worm i'm all about it can't wait to see it if it happens it better happen i hope it's you know what i mean i was excited man there's a bunch of these that i'm still waiting for that chris hemsworth hulk hogan movie um uh winston duke was supposed to play kimbo slice and that never happened holy shit yeah um so Chris Hemsworth as Hulk Hogan. I, I don't know if I remembered you talking about that before. That seems kind of wild. Yeah, he was training for it, man. They were he was showing pictures of him training for Hulk Hogan, trying to get his arms bigger and shit. His arms were huge when he was filming for that. I, I believe he's filmed it already. 
I wonder. Uh, I, I'm just trying to picture like Chris Hemsworth doing a Hulk Hogan impression, and I'm not seeing it yet. But I, uh, I kind of want to see it. What happened to the Taika Waititi soccer movie? That's still coming. I f- I feel like we've been talking about that for three years. Yeah, you're right about that. I'm googling. Yeah. I got a rumor here from Thwipped on Twitter about Stranger Things final season while you're looking that up, Jake. Uh, Stranger Things season five will be split into multiple volumes, and it's a possibility that they'll actually be three parts as Netflix wants something similar to what they did with season four, but also have the very last episode on its own. Yeah, that makes sense. If they can stretch Stranger Things out for like a couple months or over a, an entire summer, yeah, I could see them doing that. It worked. Agreed. It worked. I, as as much as like as God, as much as like the wait for like that second part was like excruciating. It worked, and it was awesome. And if they can pull this off, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm sad to see it go away. So if they could stretch it out a little bit longer, if they want to Breaking Bad this thing and break up the final season a little bit, I'm fine with it. Whatever. And if you want to give me yeah. like an extended final episode, you know, I'm fine with it. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. I, I think it worked just fine in the last season having those feature length episodes in the way that it they, they split it up. I think that worked, too. And I don't know if Netflix has done a model yet where they've done it in three releases. I know they've done plenty of them where it's in two uh, so this would definitely be probably the IP to do it with. It is because it's, yeah. it's got to be their their strongest offering that draws the heaviest, their the largest audience. Yeah. Yeah. Any thoughts on this, Jake? Yeah, I agree with all that. Netflix is. I mean, it annoys me. Like I hate it when they do stuff like that with these shows. But like I, I get it. I get the business side of it. It's Netflix's biggest IP. It's going to be the last season of it. I, I don't blame them at all for doing this. It'll work. People will be going bonkers for a final episode. Yeah. Uh, you were looking something up, Jake. I- oh, yes. It comes out. Uh, Next Goal Wins comes out September 22nd this year. Oh, wow. Finally getting it. Fuck. All right. <laughs> Uh, news from comicbook.com uh, the upcoming Evil Dead Rise takes place in the same universe as the previous four films in the franchise even if it doesn't connect to the films in the original trilogy of the TV series Ash vs. Evil Dead with original director Sam Raimi recently confirming that he'd like to develop more installments in the franchise where he could collaborate with star Bruce Campbell and producer Robert Tappert again uh, with both Evil Dead Rise and the 2013 Evil Dead remake, Raimi, Campbell, and Tabbert all served as producers. So with Campbell having retired from playing his iconic Ash Williams back in 2018, we, should, we shouldn't expect him to reprise the role. But we also shouldn't expect this trio to exit the franchise after this upcoming entry. Evil Dead Rise is slated to hit theaters on April 21st. Um, Raimi talked to empire magazine he said i love working with bruce and rob i love it as a producer because they're really good partners but i also like being supported by them as the director so i hope that is in the cards eventually um and um yeah i mean uh 
Oh, uh, Campbell said, um, Raimi's remarks about collaborating with Campbell might ignite excitement among Evil Dead fans about another live-action sequel. And while Campbell has often expressed his retirement from live-action role, he recently teased that an animated entry is an entirely different possibility. He said, all I can say is we're actively pursuing it. Uh, Campbell confirmed to Bloody Disgusting about an animated film. Uh, Sam's a busy, uh, busy, busy guy. He had a big hit movie, so he's got a lot on his plate, and he and his brother are actively shaping out the world. It's one thing to get an animator and say, hey, animate this. You've got to know what you're going to animate. I look forward to it because my voice hasn't aged as much as I have. Um, Jake, would you... Man, I, I still... I still would like to see Bruce come back live action. I don't know. I think Ash versus Evil Dead kind of like it wasn't my favorite thing ever, but it kind of satiated it enough where I'm I'm fine with it. This this just feels like they're yes, maybe this could happen, but I I, I don't know. I I just can't get pumped up for another Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell, Evil Dead movie. I, I, love, I don't know if they have it in the tank. It would have to be something really inventive. I loved all three seasons, and they wanted a fourth. They didn't get it. I would like one more movie to wrap everything up. It feels like Raimi with these quotes, though, isn't interested in continuing that story. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I mean... <laughs> we saw what he did, how, how much he cared about continuity when it came to Doctor Strange 2. I, I don't think he cares about the thing he wasn't involved with. I, I'd be surprised if he's seen more than like a handful of episodes. I know he directed the first episode, yeah. but I'm not sure how much involvement he had like in seasons two and three. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. If it came out, I would definitely see it. I could easily be swayed. Um, Sam Raimi's my favorite director evil dead is one of my favorite movies i i am excited to see evil dead rise i think it i think it has a good chance of making some big 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 money i think that, the audiences are really into horror right now and it it definitely looks like a, a decent horror movie that trailer i love that trailer i tupperware the fuck out of that trailer i love it yes every, every time it's i a see great it trailer. it's a great trailer freaky as hell yeah well it, and that's just it it's it's freaky as hell and and the, my biggest thing is that does does Ash's character fit in in the same sort of movie that Evil Dead Rise is doing? Because I love the other Evil Dead movies, but there's a certain amount of campiness to them that I always loved as well. You know, especially when once you get to Army of Darkness was always my favorite one. And it's it's so campy and it's so silly and it's an entire world away from what Evil Dead Rise looks like. Like Evil Dead Rise is one of those ones where I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it in the theater. I'm about 99.9% sure it's going to give me fucking nightmares because the trailer looks fucking terrifying. Uh, all the effects in it look, look legit. The story it looks is going a hundred percent serious. And, you know, I, I, I love Ash. I love Bruce Campbell. This guy is, you know, the, those evil dead movies and especially army of darkness was one that like, I'm surprised I didn't wear out my VHS of that. I just watched it over and over again. It was one of those movies to where I bought it on VHS, I bought it on DVD, and eventually bought it on digital also. So it's like those one of those movies that I've bought over and over again. And and I'm excited that Evil Dead Rises is taking this very, very serious take on it. I just question, does, does Bruce Campbell's character of Ash 
and and Sam Raimi's take on it does it does it really fit with with this now granted I haven't watched all of Ash versus Evil Dead that's something that's kind of a blind spot for me that I I need to go back and watch the rest of it because I love this IP and I think all three seasons are on Netflix now oh sweet does it end well uh, I thought it did, and I think they can end it there, honestly. But on the flip side, they were wanting a fourth season, and Bruce Campbell felt really burned by stars that they didn't get the fourth season. Um, and that's one of the reasons that he did retire the character. So. Yeah, wasn't there an Old Man Ash comic also? Yes. Yeah, because I, I seem to remember reading some of that and, and really enjoyed it. And so, like, an anime... Or just an animated movie of it or something like that. It does sound pretty exciting. Um, and, and I still would take Bruce Campbell in live action. I just don't understand. I can't make the connection in my mind on how it fits with what I've seen in this trailer for, for Evil Dead Rise. I think animated which, would be fun. Did you ever watch the uh, Hellboy animated movies? No, I've never seen any of those. They're fantastic. There's like, uh, I've got both of them on Blu-ray. I think one is like one complete story. And I think the other one is like two separate animated cartoons. I'd have to double check, but they're a lot of fun. And if they did something like that, made it like super bloody like that, or made it super bloody like the Mortal Kombat stuff. I mean, I'm all for it, man. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, if, if they made it like as gory as those Mortal Kombat movies, that would be perfect. Yeah. All right, let's jump into Marvel news. Marvel news. Uh, Jake, you should like this rumor if it's true, and it comes from Murphy's Multiverse. Um, Marvel Studios eyeing Sam Raimi to return for Doctor Strange 3. Uh, during a segment of the Hot Mike podcast, co-host Jeff Snyder indicated that it's his belief that Raimi will return to direct the third installment in the Doctor Strange franchise. Though Snyder was clear that he was not confirming Raimi's return, he hinted that it was pretty clear that was the direction's things were headed so yeah that's awesome i my only hope is that um as much as i love dr strange 2 i hope Raimi gets a little bit more uh, creative control and doesn't have to be so much of a cog in the wheel on his return uh like setting up future storylines for dr strange and yeah the yeah i hope he gets to kind of do it i dr strange is like a lifelong character of his and i gotta imagine he's got some ideas for some stories rather than uh have to continue and you know pick up threads that were already left yeah, yeah so i want a standalone dr strange movie i don't need it to be quantum mania well, multiverse of madness again welcome to the multiverse saga everybody i mean yeah. <laughs> well it, it's yeah with you bringing up quantum mania that is the first thing that popped into my head is there was a lot of people that had complaints about quantum mania that it just felt like it, it yada yada past what this movie could have been and instead focused too much on setting up other stuff and i hope that that's one of the criticisms that that marvel can take to heart where it's like you can throw in a little bit of foreshadowing in these movies, but really it's like use the use the the mid and post credit scenes to set up your next movie. Don't 
don't hamstring creators so much like like with what they did with John Favreau and Iron Man 2 where it just soured him on the process and he wanted to tell a movie and they were saying, well, you got to do this and this and this. Um, I, I hope they take note of that and they don't lean too hard on creators because it would be great to see Sam Raimi do another Doctor Strange movie. And and I really liked the first one. I thought he had some interesting stuff in it. I really liked the Sam Raimi feel to it. I think it's a great character for him to to do another one with. And I agree with you, Jake. It would be good to see something that that feels a little more a little more standalone, especially going into a third storyline for the character. See, I feel like that's what's in the comics. Like that's what's so cool about Doctor Strange. Like he was in his own ongoing comic. He's so separated for the most part from like the major MCU characters. It's only like in the event books that you saw Doctor Strange like mixing it up with a Captain America or whatever. And I, I feel like to do that in his solo movies is a little bit of a disservice to like the character. I feel like all these characters are just serving the greater MCU universe right now. You know, I really, it's all. Yeah. And if that's what they have to do, I'm even fine with that, but I wanted to, I want new concepts to come out of the Dr. Strange movie instead of it having to be a thing that just massages old concepts. Well, I mean, if you know what I'm saying, I think like in the next one, I mean, you know, we, we know we've got Clea, so he can work with Clea. Um, and that's good. Yeah. To, to me, that's the exactly the kind of stuff I want to see. I just feel bad for part of I, 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 I love the first Doctor Strange movie. And so I was always looking for like more of like what's what's going to happen with with him and Mordo. And I felt like the second movie was kind of disservice to, you know, that whole storyline. It's like, are we ever going to get back to that stuff? Um, so. yeah, like where the hell is Mordo? Yeah. Like what's going on with, with Mordo right now? Yeah. It felt more like an MCU movie than a Dr. Strange movie. And I, I loved the movie, but I don't love it as like a Dr. Strange movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My Time to Shine Hello had a rumor on Twitter saying that the ending of Agatha, the new Agatha series, will will be the setup for Children's Crusade. Um, And that Children's Crusade is not coming out until 2025 or 2026. And so I think it's only going to be Children's Crusade in the name, Jake. I don't think it's going to be... Yeah, I hate when they do stuff like this. Yeah, they do it all the time. So I know, I, I know. I, I, it, it especially burns when it's like one of my all-time faves. So I think it's just going to be basically like a Young Avengers movie. Um, and it'll only be Children's Crusade name and not really take beats out of the comic. But I did find it interesting, though. I got We get this news from My Time to Shine Hello – and then the watcher, another scooper on Twitter, said that Iron Lad and Hulkling are coming to the MCU. Oh yeah, just in time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense, especially with Iron Lad. Yeah. Um. Iron Lad was Kang in the comic books. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> uh, apparently, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Is a this is all confirmed. All this stuff came out uh, from Empire this week. Spider Verse, uh, Spider Man Across the Spider Verse is a love story between Miles and Gwen. Um, that came from Amy Pascal, and 
Empire Online confirmed that we're seeing five different universes in the movie. So they're basically saying like it's essentially five, <laughs> essentially five films in one movie. Um, they were talking to uh, writer producer Christopher Miller about it. Uh, and he says, our contract with the audience is to bring them something they've never seen before. Uh, and he goes on to say, the first film was about bringing characters into Miles' dimension. This is about Miles heading off into others. Uh, while Into the Spider-Verse gave us brief glimpses of the worlds inhabited by Peter B. Uh, Peter B. Parker, Spider-Man Noir, Penny Parker... And more, the sequel will spend real time in a bunch of dizzying dimensions. Quote, each world is a robust place. Uh, that was a quote from Joaquin Dos Santos, who directs alongside Kemp Powers and Justin K. Thompson. Quote, we've essentially made five films in one. There's Gwen. There's Gwen's. What savings? <laughs> <laughs> there's Gwen's Earth 65 with its distinctive watercolor palette. The India-inspired Mumbatan, um, Nueva York, the home of Oscar Isaac's Spider-Man 2099, a.k.a. Miguel O'Hara. The punky New London, inhabited by Daniel Kaluuya's Spider-Punk, plus a secretive fifth dimension that's being kept tightly under wraps for now. Uh, Phil Lord said it goes hard. The visuals will be jaw-dropping. And so that sensation of escalation in the film's ambition is echoed by Miles Morales himself. Shamik Moore, quote, I will say that this story tops the first one. If the sky was the limit la the last time, the sky is now the floor. We're stepping on it and looking at Jupiter. Um, so, oh, man, that, a lot of promises, a lot of promises. I, I, I can tell you, man, that every time I've seen the trailers, it, it, it looks like it's going to be like, you know, we get the interactions with him and Gwen at the, at the beginning. But when they start jumping into like the quick action sequences with all the Spider-Man bouncing around the screen, it looks insane. It just looks fucking insane. And um, I'm this is one of those movies I am looking forward to more trailers for. Like I don't, I I want to see more trailers for. I'm not gonna. Ooh, I'm the, I'm the opposite on this one. Yeah, I'm not gonna shy away from the trailers on this one. I'm I'm I want I want to see more. I'm just so sold on this movie that I don't need to see anything else. I'm just going to go I'm, right in. I'm right I, uh, there. I'm right there. See, I'm right in the middle between both of you. Like the the first movie was it was probably the best theater experience I ever had seeing that in 3D. It just blew me away. And I also just love the movie. It's it's my favorite Spider-Man movie. It carries a tremendous amount of heart and it's also got some really kick-ass action in it and just the way they stylized everything. It was a really, really amazing movie. I've seen it so many times since, and it still holds up for me. And so this movie, this sequel has got incredibly large shoes to fill. And so the, the part of just wanting to go in, not seeing anything else is because, you know, it's, it's like, I, I want to let this thing stand alone, but I have so much apprehension as to what a, a tremendously large job it has ahead of itself to live up to the first one that I kind of need to see more in the trailer because the trailer was so bombastic. I didn't really get much out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I that, want that more. I, I kind of need to see another trailer that's going to 
fill me in a little bit more of the plot because that first movie had a tremendous amount of heart coming from multiple angles. And that first movie is so close to perfect for me that this one has just got the biggest shoes to fill. And I, I would like to feel a little bit more confident going into the theater because right now I got plenty of excitement, plenty of, of, you know, just looking forward to this. Like, I I can't wait to like the amount of times I've talked about this with the kids being like, you guys missed out. You, you fucked up. You didn't go with me the first time I went and saw this movie all by myself. And the first time you guys saw it was at home. You need to see the second one in the theater. And in fact, if they re-release the first one in yes. 3D, we're all going to that as a fucking family. Yeah, because it was. It, and I might go see it multiple times. So if it's only in one weekend, you guys aren't going to see me this weekend. Brian, I'm not watching much on the watch list that weekend because I might try and catch that thing twice in, in the theater because it was just so good. I, it was. The, the 3D for me is a, is an upcharge gimmick. It, it's, it worked in Avatar, but the the only time that it was an amazing experience for me was Into the Spider-Verse. That movie was fucking made for 3D. And, and as much as I love it, as many times as I've watched it at home, there's still a little bit of me that's like, it doesn't quite live up to how good it looked in 3D because every single bit of that movie popped in 3D. It wasn't just every once in a while there's a scene that looks really, really good or when Cap's throwing his shield at the beginning of the Avengers, you know, Marvel <laughs> Studios thing. You're like, whoa, it's really coming at me. And then nothing else in the movie lives up to that. Um into the Spider-Verse was not that. It, the movie was fucking it's it's a fucking tragedy that I can't just walk into a home cinema and watch that. Like if I were one of those billionaire fucks from Triangle of Sadness, it'd be on like repeat <laughs> in my home theater, you know, with my James Cameron fucking uh projectors and shit in there. Because it was just it was such a good experience for me. And so just because of that, that that movie touched me so much just in the the pure experience of sitting in the cinema with those cheap little plastic glasses on and seeing a movie affect me that much, huge shoes to fill. And so I would love to see a little bit more of a trailer, understand where it's coming from. Yeah, they're saying it's going to be a love story between him and Gwen. That makes sense. But there was heart coming from. I mean, almost every single character that Miles interacted with in that first one paid off in, in a heartfelt way. That's hard to do that in a story. And they did it in a very beautiful way in that first movie. So but a lot of excitement for this one, a little bit of apprehension. I think a trailer might try and sap some of that apprehension away from me. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to watch the next. Like, you know, they give me another trailer and then a final trailer. I'll watch them all. I'll stop at the TV spots. I never watch the TV spots for most Same. movies. I never watch those either. I think I feel like they give them away too much, but I'm I'm looking forward to more. Can I make a prediction as to what the fifth dimension is? Let's hear it. It's the MCU. I was thinking oh, that for too. sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 they, they already Tom, gave it away. They already said Tom Holland's in it. Yeah, it's Tom Holland. It's the six one six. There you go. Uh, that is what I got for Marvel news. Uh, we got uh, Star Wars news. And Jake, since you left the fucking show, you got to deal with the Star Wars bumper. <laughs> Jake. He killed his father, then he chucked him down a hole. Oh, 
burned down his Jedi school. He did it all for Snoke. What's up with Phasma? The cat to the fucking Joe Oak. He had no daddy. No, hates General Hugs. Kylo Ren's the baddest. He couldn't get to Fox and now it's Star Wars and news. You've got it. Star Wars and news. You know. This episode sucks, asshole. It's Star Wars and news to go. Star Wars and news, you got it. Star Wars and news, you know. Pop culture leftovers. Star Wars and news to go. There we go. All right. What a misunderstanding. I mean, that bumper is inherently flawed, right? It's mostly about a bunch of characters we'll probably never have news about again. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Let's just turn, let's literally just... doesn't matter. It, it fits so well with that song, and that song fucking rocks. And the fact that you were able to take that song, Weird Al Yankovic, into a PCL Star Wars bumper. Chef's kiss, Brian. It's Thank you. Be my favorite bumper. Thank you. Ugh. God damn it! This is why. You know what? If if Joe wasn't gonna be a leftover, I. Oh man, I don't know. It just it just it feels it just feels right now for some reason, Jake. I don't understand it. It just it just feels right, man. That's what I needed. Um, no. Uh, Star Wars news this week is uh, what the fuck is going on with my computer? Christ. Here we go. Uh, news from comicbook.com. Star Wars, uh, Kevin Feige and Patty Jenkins movies canceled. Uh, the galaxy far, far away has gotten a big shakeup. On Tuesday, a report from Variety revealed that two potential long in development Star Wars movies are no longer in the works at Lucasfilm. Patty Jenkins, Star Wars Rogue Squadron and an untitled movie produced by Marvel Studios chief Kevin Feige. Uh, according to the report, neither project is currently in active development at the studio. Other uh, Star Wars movies are still in the works, including one directed and co-written by Thor, Love and Thunder's Taika Waititi, and one directed by Ms. Marvel's Charmaine Obeyed Shinoy, and written by Watchmen's Damon Lindelof. Um, so those are still uh, on active development as of now. But yeah, Rogue Squadron. Uh, which was announced by Jenkins uh, in late 2020. And it was originally going to be released in theaters December of this year. That's done. No more Rogue Squadron from Patty Jenkins and whatever Kevin Feige had planned, which that one was really like nothing known about that movie. It'll be interesting to hear if Kevin Feige will ever be able to speak about like what, they had planned he was working with um uh michael waldron the writer from doctor strange multiverse of madness on that one and waldron's actually writing avengers secret wars now but um yeah uh neither of these movies are happening go ahead and we know that Ryan Johnson trilogy is not happening yeah yeah (laughs) nobody yeah that's that's too bad yeah I would have really liked to have heard the elevator pitch of what Kevin Feige was going to be doing. I mean, supposedly Kevin Feige is a massive Star Wars fan, so that would have been incredible to see. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm I'm not surprised about the Patty Jenkins thing. I I think the <laughs> Wonder Woman '84 really left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, and Disney is. If they're not worried about what they've been doing in in the cinematic universe for Star Wars, they fucking better be, because they 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 squandered a fantastic lead that they had going with with this new trilogy and mm-hmm. Rise of Skywalker just did not land in the way that they wanted it to, and I think they need to be very selective about what they're going to be putting out next, and I think that. Just because Star Wars movies have typically been trilogies, I think that they need to come out and just find a good movie that starts on its own. And if they have designs for it to be a trilogy, then for, you know, for God's sakes, get a fucking outline together first and get like a broad plan on where you're going to go with this. Because had you done that in the first movie, it would have gone better. Is well, is Filoni a guy that they can get to come in here and, you know, look at these movies and, and help with the development of the movies? Or do you think that Filoni is just too much of a TV guy, too much of an episodic creator that maybe a movie is not the best thing for him? I feel like personally, uh, Josh Whedon uh, struck gold with the Avengers but then we got Avengers Age of Ultron. Then we've got like the new Justice League movie uh, and it didn't work. He's very – I just think Joss Whedon's very television, very episodic. And and there's even points – for as much as I love Avengers, there's parts in Avengers where it felt very television to me. Uh, and, yeah. And, so I don't, do you think like – I know, think the I combination think they, of – yeah, go ahead. Go. Oh, okay. I was just going to say, I think Dave Filoni would be a good guy for it. Television stuff aside, just because he has such a broad knowledge of the Star Wars universe and he has a tremendous love for it. And with him being so heavily involved with the Mandalorian, it just makes sense to have these things as linked as you can with in, in broad strokes. And yeah. and some of the most exciting one of the most exciting villains that they've had in Star Wars is Thrawn. And they've mentioned him in The Mandalorian. I'm sure we're going to be going in that direction with the live action Ahsoka series, but he'd be a great villain to see in a movie. Yeah, I feel like Dave Filoni um he works very well with John Favreau because he's so inside baseball that I feel like if he's doing it by himself it's going to lose fans. Um and I think you need someone who's a little bit more um, old school and original trilogy centric like John Favreau to kind of rein them in a bit. And I think the two of them work very well together. So I would say that both of them in combination would be a great pairing for a, a movie trilogy or, or, you know, the next direction for movies. Here's my pitch. I agree with that a lot. I, I think I like Filoni a lot, but I think you need to pair him with someone for him to make a successful movie franchise. Here's my pitch if they ever wanted to do Rogue Squadron. Here's my pitch. Have Tony Gilroy write it. Have Joseph Kaczynski from Maverick, Top Gun Maverick, direct it. <laughs> that would be uh, excellent. <laughs> this is really amazing writing and really amazing dogfight. Don't call it Rogue Squadron because then it looks like they pulled it away from the female director. And you you know it's a bad look. Makes sense. Makes sense. It's a bad. bad, It's a bad look. But if you're gonna have a if you're gonna have a Rogue Squadron type movie, which I think people want to see, that 
I hate the fact that we're losing it because I, I think people want to see that. But if you have to make a movie like that, I, I want to see, I want to see X wings and Tie Fighters, you know, battle dog fights in space. You know, I want to see that. That's, and I want to see like the the band of brothers camaraderie between pilots. I would love to see that. I would like to see what's going on on the other side as of, of, of it as well. If it has to be a Disney Plus series, I'm fine with that too. You know, if you have to get if you have to make it a Disney Plus series, I'm fine with that as well. Just put the budget into it, and I th- I think they have. Uh, yeah, I was going to say I'd like it to have the budget of a movie though. What yeah. you're describing. Well, I think they can do that too. I mean, depending on like if you make it a six episode series, Jake, I think they I think they can, you know, I think Iger can, you know, loosen the purse strings a little bit and, and give it the budget that I think that they need. Yeah. Uh, when would you want it set? Man. Yeah, that's a great story. It's got it. It, it can't be. I don't think we're ready to go past, uh, you know, uh, the. The Rise of Skywalker, Rise of Skywalker, Ray story. I don't think we're ready to go. And Jake, you saying that those stories on that? I think, I think you wait. I, I, I never thought we'd get Hayden Christensen oh, back. I'm, I was being, I was being. I know I, you I, give I, it. Like I, you give it twenty fucking years. They're gonna come back and try to revisit some of these characters. Oh, a, a, th- a thousand, a million. Oh percent. yeah, I, I was being a hater for jokes. Yeah. <laughs> those are some people's Star Wars movies. <laughs> yeah. Know, however, we felt about them aside. Um, and, and speaking of that, do you think Rogue Squadron could work as like a Poe Dameron origin story? Because we all we, we just dropped into this guy's life in Force Awakens where he's already this tremendously talented pilot. Well, what was it like getting to that point? Wasn't he born at the foot of like a magic tree or some garbage? Yeah, well, in the fuck, there's a bunch yeah. of shit in the comics about him, but they retcon that with fuck you the, know, impunity. Yeah, the forest trees. Fuck all that shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was there was a forest tree comic book. It was ridiculous. Dude, dude okay, with Oscar Isaac, do you recast or do you de-age? I think it could still work with Oscar Isaac. Yeah, in, I agree. In, I agree with Joe. I, I don't think the I think it would suffer. It, it would be the same thing with Solo, but you know, with less. Sorry, Isaac Oscar Isaac, but less iconic than recasting as Harrison Ford. Um, and and I think that Oscar Isaac can do it. And I I think you change up that guy's facial hair a little bit, light him a little bit differently, and you probably don't have to do too much CGI. I mean, that guy's still a yeah. very young, good-looking guy. I would especially hate, if you don't if you got him clean shaven. I would hate to see Star Wars recast Poe Dameron as a younger actor and then then ruin that actor's career, just like we saw with yeah. Alden Ehrenreich. Because I, <laughs> I agree. Uh, I think. Yeah. I think Alden Ehrenreich is a fantastic actor. Yeah, uh, he was he one, one of my favorite parts, parts of, of Cocaine movie. Bear. Yeah. yeah, and he was great in Cocaine Bear. And he was. Yeah, I yeah. mean. Oh, go ahead. Tristan. They really set him up, man. They they set him up dirty because it's like, OK, play this beloved character that's been around for 40 plus years. And, you know, no matter what he did, people are going to have criticism for it because you, you can't just do a Harrison Ford impression. No, yeah. you, no. Th- those are impossible shoes to fill. That guy is a living legend and, and he's still reinventing himself and doing amazing things. If you're not watching Shrinking on Apple TV Plus, you're missing out like Harrison Ford is. I mean, the guy's a fucking icon. Yeah. Oh, he is so good in shrinking. He is. Who'd have thought that that that, that he could play that character? 
<laughs> he I mean, is so good. You know, on the one hand, it's like he's literally acting like he does at cons. <laughs> but it's like, is he having heart to hearts with people's daughters at cons? Yeah. And shit like that, you know, is he's so charming in that. He's like he's great. he's grumpy, he's hilarious, he's charming. Like he's Harrison Ford's he's he's a living icon. It's the you, best you part of the uh, you can't recast a younger part of him. Sorry, Justin. Oh no, I was just gonna say he's the best part of the Oscars yesterday. <laughs> I mean, it was him basically presenting uh, the Best Picture Award to Short Round with freaking Spielberg and Cape uh, Capshaw in the audience. It was like a Temple of Redoom uh, reunion there. That's awesome. Yeah, that was oh. wild. Oh, I need yeah. to look up that clip. I didn't watch the Oscars, but that's yeah. something I want to see. I ha- have. Mm. Has anybody on the podcast watched The Fablemans? I have not I, seen it. I've been wanting to see it. Yeah. I didn't see it. I thought the trailers I, for it did look amazing, though. Yeah. I bought it for nine ninety nine. And just like a couple of days ago and haven't watched it yet. Yeah, I want to see that one. Mm. Yeah. You know, I've said it before, but to me, like you guys spoke a lot about how like if they do another Star Wars trilogy, make sure you map it out first. And I, I've argued this point before. I I still don't think that was the problem. I, I like that experiment and the experiment was going well until they got reactionary with episode nine. Instead of passing the baton, it became like almost a job to course correct what they thought went wrong with episode eight and it like just really like shot themselves in the foot like i think the experiment was working fine they just gave up on it in the last movie the handling of the trilogy was just fucking terrible because it's like i know that that's what george lucas originally did he didn't have a full plan but i mean it's like lightning in a bottle you know like strike or lightning striking twice whatever the fucking saying is you can't just fucking go into a trilogy not knowing where you're going to go. And they made one movie and said, OK, let's just get three directors yeah. and just have them fucking take the baton. I mean, I feel like they have to at least have some kind of idea of where things are going to go. Yeah, I, I I think what you're saying is also valid, though, Jake. I, I think that they obviously course corrected a lot and. And they were like, oh, you didn't like general audiences? You, did, you didn't like what Ryan Johnson did here? Okay, we take it all back. And, and it just it, it ruined it. It was more um, than half the movie spent doing that. <laughs> yes, it, it's, but, but I also feel like if there had been a plan in place, then maybe there wouldn't have been so much fear on, on the studio side because they'd have been like, oh, well, we know from the start what sort of direction these three movies are going to go. And – I see that, but you're not, you're trying to tell me that if they've got a plan in place, plan in place, episode eight comes out, it people fucking hate it. They're not sticking to their guns with that plan in place anymore. I I think if it had been properly thought out, people wouldn't have hated the eighth one because they they would have vetted it. I I see exactly what you're saying, Jake. I feel that personally, I think that they should have had an overall story arc to know where they're going with the trilogy but they fucked up they didn't do that ryan johnson comes in makes episode eight okay once you did that fucking just stick with that okay go with whatever ryan johnson was giving us you know it's like don't just fucking pivot back and forth between directors and i mean it it, it's like almost jarring to watch that trilogy back to back it doesn't make any fucking sense lucas was reactionary with uh the prequels i mean i mean you could tell with how much they left out that they left out jar 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 up to be like a main character clearly and then all of a sudden he's just non-existent 
I'm not saying it's the right thing. Yeah, to do. it just wasn't. It wasn't so in your face, you know. Lucas yeah. did it a little bit more subtly than J.J. Abrams did. Well, and well, the thing is, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. And well, and it doesn't help. I don't know. I don't think it it helps with the in, the age of the internet and social media and that being so yeah. prevalent now and people being everyone having a voice on Twitter and Facebook and everything, you know. So it's it's a lot. I. I don't I I don't think everything has to be a trilogy either. I feel like one of their best successes was um Rogue One, which was just a standalone movie. It's not so I don't feel like everything has to be a trilogy as well. I I I maybe just like more one and dones where we don't have to rely on like three three movies and that's a complete story. I don't know. Yeah. I definitely want to see um just good stories and Yeah. And it's like if it's good, you know, the audience is going to dictate whether or not it needs a second or third, you know? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that is all I have this week. Uh, Joe, I I did watch the fifth episode of Hello Tomorrow. And I think, oh, nice. I think it's going in that direction that I think that you were kind of predicting. So you didn't say it on the episode, but I knew what you meant when you said it. (laughs) <laughs> okay yeah 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 i i have not carried on with it um i i did pick back up on physical 100 i'm still slowly chipping away at yeah that it's still enjoying it did you see that this friday dance 100 comes out <laughs> no fucking way <laughs> yes they're doing uh they're doing a dance version of it i think it's gonna i i didn't look into it i was just like it was on the screen like it was flipping through like what's coming to netflix when they do like the little netflix screensaver and it was like coming this friday dance 100 is it is it also uh korean based i think it is yeah Wow. Yeah. Wow. I wonder if they'll all have plaster casts <laughs> of their legs. <laughs> you get you gotta go and break your own legs when you get maybe it's their off. maybe it's their dancing shoes or something. It's ridiculous. I'm curious what because physical 100. It's like okay, you know they they got them hanging by bars. They got them you know playing this extreme version of like capture the flag that's one on one that. The, oh my god in, in the third episode where uh mma guy like the famous older mma guy the younger mma guy challenges him and when they have their capture the flag thing it's just straight up no we're just gonna do an mma match and in the last 10 seconds we'll we'll worry about that medicine ball like that blew my mind yeah like this show's wild dude they're like they you know they let them do all sorts of stuff how does that translate to dance 100 i don't know like, I don't know what is going to be the opening thing that's going to kick off like 50 percent of the people. I'm going to out of sheer curiosity, watch the first episode. Just how do you not? I have to out of sheer curiosity. So it'd be like who can pop and lock the longest without stopping. (laughs) (laughs) Like like who can spin the the longest on their head, (laughs) like break dancing like how do you do like a dance challenge like that make it entertaining for television and start off with 100 people i'm just assuming it's gonna follow the same formula as physical 100 but yeah that's intriguing dude under normal circumstances when you watch a dance competition reality show now but on this like you got me yeah weird this this is gonna be weird i gotta see at least the first episode all i saw was the title card dance 100 and 100 people and i was like ah fuck it i'll give it i'm gonna give it a shot 
So <laughs> I'm telling Jake, man. Yeah. What was it? Was it all right? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was great. Coming back to your old stomping grounds. Yeah, I had a lot of fun. It was a fun week of um, a variety of stuff to watch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fun week. Jake, you're welcome back anytime. You know that. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I knew as soon as I had Monday off, I was like, oh, it's the first Monday I've had off since you guys moved to Mondays. Let me see what they're up to. I know. I like I like this Mondays. I like having my weekends back, man. Oh, I yeah. bet. I bet. Oh, man, it's a, such a big fucking help to – have that weekend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, agreed. It's, yeah. It, it's one yeah, of the, having the extra time to watch stuff is, yeah. is huge. Yeah. Especially and like it, trying to get that theatrical shit in over the weekend. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, just yeah. everything drops on Friday, it seems. You know? Yeah, exactly. So it's like, okay, I'm either going to watch this in the, in the theater on Friday or, or Thursday, Friday, or maybe try and squeeze something in Saturday during the day. But, you know, on the old schedule, Saturday during the day, you only had up until generally around 6 p.m. or so yeah. to watch shit. Yeah. And so that was a lot of time out. But, um, uh, Jake, I was like, when this call started and I saw you were on it, like I fist pumped. I was like, yes. And so you, know, <laughs> you got to yeah. come back more because it was so fucking exciting to have you on the episode. And, you know, I, I love podcasting with Brian every week, but, but you know, you're you're always going to be leftover Jake. And so... You know, I'm just I'm going to be just as excited as anybody else in the in the army that's been listening for any amount of time that I'm sure I'm not the only one who's super stoked to hear you on this episode. I really appreciate that, Joe. And, you know, I meant it when I said it was a soft retirement. You're going to hear more of me. I'll be back. I'm sure we'll be doing special things in the future. I anytime I can get a chance to come back, I most likely will. Yeah, I just got to say that you guys are um, doing a great job, Joe and and Brian, like you guys are doing a. Fantastic job, in my opinion. But it is great to hear Jake's cadence again. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm sure you guys are doing a good job. I haven't listened, so I don't really know. I'm sure it's. I would expect nothing less. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I was like, picture me surprised. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you're just playing magic with one of your buddies and laughing along with us. (laughs) (laughs) I was. You know, I've said it before in this podcast. I don't really, I don't really listen to this type of podcast anyway. So it's you know, I listen to weird podcasts. So, nah, I, I get it, dude. I I go through phases with stuff that I listen to. Like um, recently, I've been really, really into like live comedy type stuff, and so it's like my my podcast library has just been stacking up on lots of shit, and it's like, ugh. But, you know, you got to follow what you got to follow. I'm I'm quite the opposite. All I listen to is old episodes of PCL. That's it. I don't blame you. I just blame you. I'm on episode 37 right now. It's my third listen, I believe. I'm kidding. I I, I assume that's how you're coping with me being gone. It's just constantly listening and hearing old episodes. It's weird hearing me talk to you on the episode and I'm still talking to you in the car. It's just bizarre. It's just so weird. (laughs) He sits at home and listens with his cats. He's got an old hoodie of yours you left at his place that he hugs. Yeah. Oh, nice. (laughs) I want that back. Uh uh, <laughs> never mind it still smells like you <laughs> that's it we're done man what are we doing next week hold on give everybody a little tease tickle the clit a little bit you know what i mean 
Screw it. Give it to Vortex. (laughs) That sounds next level. (laughs) What are we doing next week? What are we doing next week? eh? Oh, uh, Agent Elvis, an animated Elvis show on Netflix. Uh, Oh, Joe, you should be excited about this one. Shazam, Fury of the Gods. (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah, I will not be on next week's episode. (laughs) Uh, I also put I also put down uh, Champions. Uh, it's out in theaters now. It's the Woody Harrelson movie. Oh, with, uh, dude, that movie's gonna have a lot of heart to it. Yeah, the the trailer for that's wonderful. And then I think uh, uh, Boston Strangler on Hulu. That's all I got oh, nice. listed so far. We'll see what else comes out next week. I don't. I don't fucking know. Let's wrap this fucking bitch. Tristan, man, it was fun having you on, dude. Yeah, thanks for having me. I look forward to seeing you guys in a few weeks. Yeah, shit. Uh, yeah, See. coming right up. Are you going to be there, Jake? I will 100% be there. Nice. Excellent. Yeah, C2E2. Ah, can't wait. Can't wait to see everybody coming back for C2E2. That's going to be a fucking blast. Man, uh, great fucking lineup of guests this year. Yeah, best we've ever seen, I think, since PCL's been going to C2E2. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the panels and all the people that are going to be there. All right, guys, let's wrap this bitch up. And Joe, what do we say at the end, Joe? Oh, and until next week, we're putting Putting a lid lid on on it. it. There we go. That's how we do it. See you then. (laughs) Jake, Jake, seriously, though, thanks for coming back on this one, dude. Oh, yeah, no problem. It was so much fun. Can't wait to do it again. All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a t-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. Ready like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before and we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good and toss it, good and taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's face it Can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carry over counterculture pushovers Pop culture Leftovers and Cool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers, pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers, podcasts that are original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Good and toss it, good and taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's face it Can't erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over Like a vulture carryover Counterculture pushover Pop culture Leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it?
love it. Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Leftovers.